Talk Brunch. Served hot. Talk Brunch Live. Rick Dara here, your host, a.k.a. Captain Brunch, bringing you episode 432 along with his co-host Destin Soglo Frazier. What? <laughs> That's the epitome of my day. Way to hold it. I heard it 32 times today. I thought the, I thought I heard you wrong. No. <laughs> I don't know where 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 are the holes at? Hopefully inside with their damn mask on. That's all I know. All right, yeah, me, me too. I guess <laughs> that was that's one of the best openings ever. That is up there in epic tiers of stuff. <laughs> so yeah, shout out to all of you listening across all of our podcatcher and podcast apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Podcast Attic, as well as video platforms such as twitch.tv slash talkbrunch, facebook.com slash talkbrunch, talkbrunch.com, of course. And of course, everyone listening on demand coming to you from the past. I used to need a script for all that stuff. I was just actually looking around at our stream making sure it was running. So, gone are the days of past amateur stuff. And further sign that I am getting old. Yeah, and you I got like 48 there. hours left. Now. I got 48 hours left. Oh, you're right. But I am getting old. 24 now. I'm not even going to go into too much of the getting old part. You're not old. You're just seasoned. There's a difference. Yeah, well, I've always been seasoned, even when I was young. Now, now I'm, you're now, extra seasoned. Now I'm just old. <laughs> but uh, I talked about it a little on here before we get into the news. How uh, I spent a large portion of my life extroverted, and uh, during the pandemic, I guess I became more of an introverted person, partially due to circumstance, but then began to sort of in a Cartman esque way embrace it, and gone were my uh my extroverted qualities. We talked about this. This is nothing though. So that being said, uh, I, I tried, I dabbled in it a little bit. Uh, I dabbled in extroversion. Is there even a word? Who the fuck knows? Close. It sounds like it. So we're just going to run with it. It sounds good, right? Yeah. But I, I dabbled in it a little. I said, you know what? Let's try some extroversion. Let's see if, uh, if the old Rick is somewhere in there, the social Rick. And, uh, Almost immediately regretted it. Like almost insta regretted <laughs> it. It was like it it was almost like if you've ever eaten like a really sweet candy as a kid and tried it as an adult and it was too sweet as soon as you put it in your mouth, you're just like Ugh. man, I was a I was a wrecked. Like, like man, you as a kid you yeah, like ex extra I'm just not extroverted anymore. And it's not because of it's all of the and it's gonna sound messed up for people, especially here during this, but uh I, I was able to value during everything that we've gone through all of the trouble that being social comes with. As much as I don't like GTA 4 as a game, it was it was really socially accurate and how I feel where uh, you would get calls. People want to call you to play pool and Brucey and all these other people. I don't give a shit about Brucey or any of you. Stop calling me. 
I have important things going on. I do not want to play darts with you or anything else. But you had to to keep and your you know social. The bad part is What's that? everybody who played that game all heard Roman in their head right at that moment. Yeah, because that's how many times you got called. Okay, but cousin, to... we should go bowling. No, Roman. No, we don't want to go bowling. There's shootouts and stuff going. This is a bad neighborhood. Why do you want to go bowling? What's wrong with you? Three feet from me. The fuck you mean I want to go bowling? <laughs> yeah, but you wanted to maintain social rapport with them, so you would go through with it. I kind of found that the way we were pre-pandemic, where a lot of our interactions were, I guess, to maintain some sort of social rapport with people. And uh, once that came, it was like you no longer did it anymore. And at first, I guess I resisted against it. But sooner or later, I kind of found my peace. Like, uh, I, again, I don't want to go much, too much into it. But all of the effort that goes into it, I'm just not that guy anymore. Like making plans, having to collaborate, make sure everybody's free at the same time, canceling plans when stuff happens, rescheduling stuff. Like I just don't miss a single thing about it because uh, it's just the amount of effort it takes. I see myself dropping off more people's friends list as a birthday present to myself. Um, if they want to be social, they can come see me in the chat because I feel like I've had more growth and development here than than with my shallow interactions with people in the outside world. Not to say that those interactions aren't necessary for all of us, but I value my time here and I'm glad that I got to share that more than anything. And that's like the only thing throughout this whole world change that I found wasn't interchangeable. Whereas everything else, I kind of realized a lot of the values and stuff to have aren't as sustainable as you will once think that they are. And uh, that's OK with me. So, yeah, I guess that's my birthday speech. Is it? Does that count? Yeah, that counts. <laughs> Throwing together at the last minute. All right, fuck it. Yeah. All right, anyway, let's get into some wrestling news here. Wow. Virgil. I fucking knew it. Now, listen, I had no choice but to start with this. We can't be talk brunch and not have the top of the program start with a Virgil story. Now, here is my Before problem. Before we get into this shit, shit you not, 10 minutes before he says in the chat for those who were in the chat room before the show, like ten minutes earlier, right after Raw goes off the air, all I see is this shit, and I go, I hope to God he puts this shit on there. And bitch, I got my Christmas gift. Now hold on, don't celebrate just yet, because thanks to Virgil, I have to try to figure out how I can get this on here. I just need a few moments with our stuff. We got time. Huh? Have you seen I this? I said bro? we got time. Have you seen this? I haven't seen it. I purposely didn't watch it. <laughs> it was exactly what they said it was. I didn't think it would be. My- <laughs> I saw it and I was like, nope. I'm going to hope if it shows up on the show. And if it doesn't, I'll watch it after. I took just a glimpse because this was when we were running into late overtime here. I don't even know how to describe this. It's very. <laughs> oh, man. You read what it was, though, right? Yeah, fucking meat sauce Mike strikes again. Yeah. He really did, didn't he? Oh, All right. Fuck. Can I get a you know what I we you know what would help if I had like a transparent Virgil head? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, you already get what I'm... <laughs> yes. <laughs> like is there a transparent Virgil head? There isn't. What a shame, right? Ain't that a bitch like of all the times? <laughs> like if I could just get the head of Virgil. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first person who's... who's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So apparently what happened is he did a cameo. Am I correct in my information so far? He did a cameo. Yeah, I believe Yeah, he, I think he was either doing a cameo or he was promoting his cameo. He was promoting his cameo. And in this cameo, he just had his balls out. <laughs> is my information as far as the report goes also correct? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Now, I couldn't tell if he was working me. I didn't want to stay there that long. 
I don't know if there was a fake <laughs> ball, but I can assure you that the glance I took, he was sitting there and his ball was hanging out his shorts. And it was so blatantly hanging out his shorts that I uh, almost feel like that had to be a work. Like he had a gimmick ball out there. There's no way he had his balls hanging out his shorts like that. But it's like, I can't risk it here because I'm not sure. This story just came up and I had no ball analyzers handy. This motherfucker was living the old man struggle on Cameo. Ugh. This is the first time I've ever oh, been in the middle of production at, during a show because I'm still sitting here. With my tools trying to figure out how can we get this on the screen? Because I have to make sure that the sensor is it sensors his balls. All right, it's not gonna be his head. Fuck it. Let's see let's see what we could do here. Um good lord. If you're asking me when I made this show if we would be censoring people's balls for the fucking videos. <laughs> There's a lot crap. of things on this show. I'm pretty sure what's not in the cards when you first started this show. You don't say what the fuck are you doing, Virgil? Like Jesus Christ. I know, right? Like, if I get to the age where I can just be sitting there, just freaking twigs and berries out, just put me down. Like, just, that's it for me. Like, that, <laughs> like how, how, what, what the fuck is going on anymore? Like, I was like, man. Yeah, I know. Okay, I know. All right. Good while, you're, while you're talking about it, I'm just trying to find a way to cover his balls. Oh, I know. I'm stalling for you. I'm stalling. Shoot yeah. people. We are stalling. Okay, again, I don't know if it's his, if his actual balls here. This is the kind of stuff that Virgil's put me through over the years. Right, you don't know him anymore. You All don't right. fucking know. I got to bring this up but, on the screen, not on that screen. I looked up and I got scared too. <laughs> oh my god! If it, if it would cover enough, I'd say a dollar sign just because it is Virgil. But I mean, oh my god! Look, we don't got time to be super creative over here. Right, fuck it, man. Keep this shit simple. Like apparently fucking Virgil did. Okay. Let's go. I think we're good. Oh God. I know, right? God help us. Did I get it? If I didn't, we're finished. <laughs> I think I got him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, balls are covered by the Talk Rudge logo. Let's let's see what oh, this is. That's now, I, I could I guess I could look because oh. I'm minus not covered, but like I can't tell. This is this a work? Anyway. You know that face oh that's like the face of a man looking at it like so we doing this or we doing this this like, is wwf wrestling superstar virgil and Levin keller i would like to give a shout out to nnn auctions stop moving and i like to tell them back in the day i burned a photo on live tv of a jerk if he wasn't a jerk i wouldn't have burned it but he was a jerk and if you had a photo of the same jerk, you would burn it too. But his balls were out. Anything else? How is he doing that much movement and the fucking logo still covers it? I was uh, moving. I was moving the logo. This was like a mini game. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> this is the kind of shit they cut from WarioWare. Good <laughs> <laughs> lord, what is wrong with that, this man? The rating on that game would have changed drastically. What is wrong with him? Now I can't say for certain. Thankfully the camera was zoomed out enough intentionally and we had it censored. But shit shit. <sighs> There's a level of not giving a shit that comes with the old age. I don't think I'm ready for. Tell <laughs> them back in. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to have some range on your balls for them to make it outside like that, though, you know? <laughs> I don't think it's the same thing. 
That is hang time on another fucking level. Like that logo was struggling, man. That shit was like Tobey Maguire Spider Man trying to stop the train. <laughs> you know, like, like all your balls that separate from the rest of your body. Like, what's happening here? The motherfucker's nuts have like pitfall hairy levels of fucking hang time. Like, I don't know what to say about this. I don't. Even, I didn't even hear him. I was too busy trying to ball block. <laughs> what was he talking about again? About he he messed up somebody's name or some shit. Burned somebody's picture or some shit. He burned something. Yeah. I gotta burn my fucking eyes after this bullshit. Like, I swear to God, I don't even understand. Like, I wish I could just show because I don't even understand the physics of how his balls have escaped his shorts like that. <laughs> like, that has to be the Houdini of balls. Like, how is that there? That can't be, man. I'm I'm calling bullshit. There has to be some clarification here. You know what the sad part is? I would call bullshit if it wasn't Virgil. With all this shit we've seen from this man, though. Jesus. And the fucked up part about it is, this is great how shit just lines up like this. Full disclosure, I got Pluto TV, the fucking AMC channel on the background. I looked at Tyree's face, Tyrese's face, where fucking Lizzie stabbed her sister, and I was like, yep, same face. That look, oh my God, what just happened? Yeah, same face. Huh. Uh, well, it's going to be up here for those of you that uh, need therapy. Because if you want to see that shit, you need Jesus. <laughs> you need Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and whoever else the fuck they can send, because that is just disturbing. I like how I just decided to label it. What is Virgil showing his balls on his cameo account? <laughs> Who in the chat said that it was that he thought it was an OnlyFans? <laughs> George! <laughs> you better be giving that one away for free if that's a fucking case. Don't you charge me a dime, Virgil. I swear to God. Man, do you have anything else to say about this? I, I, I got nothing. I can't believe we started out 2021 looking at Virgil's fucking balls. Like a- Happy birthday. <laughs> All right, well, I don't have an explanation. Um, I don't think anybody does. I don't think anybody wants there to be an explanation. You know what? He did this on purpose, too, because did you read the subtitle to this to, that he shared this with? No. It says, I, I love at book cameo. It's always a ball of fun. I'm never a dick like other celebs. So here's a tip. Don't hog all of me and give your loved ones a special day and grab a piece of my beef. I always stay ahead of the curve. Book me today. And you can book him for $69. He's pretty consistent with his dick jokes, even the price of the fucking cameo. Oh, $69 for these rusty peaches on your fucking TV screen. Oh, my God. $69 for these nuts. Write it down. (laughs) $69 for these nuts. Slap chop guy who we need him. <laughs> Watch this. You're gonna love my nuts. Remember that? Hi, it's Vince from Slap Chop. Good old Vince. Yeah, and ironically he, he from cameo. And ironically, Vince from Slap Chop has a mugshot for uh for slapping uh I believe or the prostitute. He took that slap chop oh. shit seriously. Oh this isn't about oh. wrestling. Right? Not at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just messed up. That's uh, anyway. Xavier Woods uh, put up a tweet in regards to his match last week before we went off the air. We talked about he had a match with T-Bar, and he said, Flight got delayed 10 minutes, so I decided to amuse myself and make this. Now, have you seen this? I have not. All right, good. I haven't oh. seen it, but I already know. I already know. Someone already told me what, what happens. Oh, no. <laughs> After yeah, this for a second, I'm fucking worried. Oh, yeah, it's, it's worth it, man. It's worth it. 
Xavier Woods now. This is the comfort zone. The wheelhouse of Xavier Woods. He's finding his footing here on Rose. Wow. Xavier Woods now. This is the comfort zone. The wheelhouse of Xavier Woods. He's finding his footing here on Rose. <laughs> That's awesome. Is that better than the fucking... <laughs> Who was the one we original one? That was when Ginger paid Corbin in like two seconds. Oh, when Corbin messed up his money in the bank? <laughs> yes. Yeah, was it Corbin messing up his... <laughs> Oh wow! I love when they do waste it with that. That's awesome, man. That fucked up, see, because he was like, "Yo, he did that shit after two days." <laughs> I'll just never forget that because we watched that shit off the air, and I don't think I heard you laugh harder. <laughs> yeah, I think it was my first encounter with someone doing that. It was just like, no way! It just fits so perfectly, you know. All right. Well, in other news, Tamatanga. He has a show called Thomas Island. Have you ever heard of this? I have not. Okay. In this show, he uh, it's just a podcast, obviously. Everyone has them nowadays. But uh, in this show, he talks. He gives a little feedback. And when, I know we're not going to go. We're going to go into the, uh, the hard to kill later on. I don't want to go too much into it now. But there's a lot of Bullet Club references to the point that Omega's wearing like a, a Bullet Club shirt. A lot of the times, they just feel like they're blatantly just calling it the Bullet Club. Do you, do you find it that way? Uh sometimes here and there like at least with 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 the nwo when they showed up in impact they called them the band like they tried not to just tap dance over holy ground i guess but yeah, with it this, doesn't it seem like they're directly saying it but like the t-shirt was definitely the most direct that i've seen at least in my memory right but they definitely heavily allude to it at least yeah because he brought that up on here and there's what he had to say i'm going to link you guys to the full thing it's available on our social media Full versions of everything we play as always available on our social media. Uh, let's see what we got here. What got me triggered, yeah, right, is when I heard Kenny Omega going, Bullet Club. Ooh, you, you son of a bitch, you. The one guy that tried to dismantle us from the inside, split us into two, the elite and Bullet Club. The guy who really tried to. Ruin Bullet Club is now using Bullet Club as an angle. Now, a reunion? How can it be a reunion when Bullet Club is still here? Mm-hmm. We ain't never went nowhere. They should have called it something else, like the X-Members, right? The X-Members <laughs> reunion, mm-hmm. all right? Because all of y'all have gone, and I when I say all of y'all, every single one of that who was in that, mm-hmm. a different company, was in different other companies trying to do the same thing with Bullet Club, but they called it what the club? They called it was the it club, the OC, the yeah, OC, Balor Club, Balor Club. I mean, no matter what you guys try to do, you're just not Bullet Club. Now here you are trying it again. Now, but when you're hashtagging that and calling that Bullet Club, that's a slap in the mm-hmm. face to us. That's still riding with Bullet Club in Japan. Now, if you're the OGs, Carl Anderson, Doc Gallows, and you're promoting this as Bullet Club, damn, dude. I mean, 
Come on now. That's a slap in the face to us out there in Japan putting in the work. Y'all remember that, guys? Remember that? Those mm-hmm. those times that y'all were putting in the work with us? Y'all remember that? Now, now hey, y'all can do your thing. Do whatever the hell y'all want. But do not call it Bullet Club because you are not Bullet Club. And definitely now, man, now that you've got a reunion, wait, you're going to come into Japan? And then what? Is that a reunion for us too? Nah. Nah, nah, I'm pissed off, man. I was I'm gonna pissed say, pissed off, man. You got sold out. You got mm. sold out for the quick buck, man. For the quick buck. Hey, but I should have known that already, man. Once a sellout, always a sellout, you know? Shit, mm-hmm. I should have known that. Ain't that the code of the streets? I right? mean, hey, Omega, you know I'm talking to you, baby. You know I'm talking to you. Tell Tama, keep the mm. peace. Hey, fuck you. All right. <laughs> Not on my watch. Not on okay. my watch. Okay. Yeah, see, see, the problem is all these fans here in America think that that mm-hmm. you know that, that wrestling, you know, is only here in America. And if you're not here in America doing it, you're not doing it anywhere else. You dumb idiots need to understand that Bullet Club is alive and well and thriving, still holding it down in Japan, the most popular, popular faction. I- Ever so good that we had to take from what everybody thought was a great faction of LIJ. We took one of their top dogs. We taught, we took one of their generals, man. Mm-hmm. Took, now I know a lot of y'all ain't happy. <laughs> what do you think of what he's t- saying here? So I definitely see exactly where he's coming from when he says like being that, of course, him and his brother or some of the guys were around virtually since day one. Here's my only problem though. What was it that G one was it? I think it was a G one supercar or some USA show where like they beat the shit out of like Omega, in the Bucks and everybody, and basically just kind of toss them to the side. And then on top of that, yes, Kenny Omega wasn't there since day one, but I mean it is a form, former Bullet Club leader and one of the two founders and Carl Anderson. Carl Anderson. But then also he brings up the thing with Evil, and it's like Evil ain't exactly the Evil he used to be in Lij. He's kind of downgraded. Well, when you when you so listen like, to the rest we... of that, uh, ironically, when you listen to the rest of that, that's the next thing that he touches on. Oh, you know, I heard that a lot of y'all aren't feeling evil. Well, fuck y'all. We don't give a fuck. We like evil. That's just the way that it is. And, like he goes, he goes more into that. If you guys want to listen to the whole thing, it's available yeah. on our social media in the chat room right now. So, but yeah, he goes more yeah, into it's, just, it's certain things where I can understand where he's coming from, but at the same time, considering. We've talked about it all through G1. We talked about the Wrestle Kingdom. Over in Japan, you don't see... I mean, I think we didn't see G.O.D. repping Bullet Club too hard versus the ones that we do see repping it hard. It's guys like Jay White and Ghetto and Dick Togo and Evil. And it's just like, I can understand where you're coming from feeling a little disrespected, but it's like, y'all ain't exactly got the A squad over there right now. Yeah, we, we've we called just them. had Kenny Omega and the freaking Good Brothers reunite. Three strong former Bullet Club members. Yeah, they are former Bullet Club members, but still three strong ones. 
Yeah, we've called them Bullet Club at home. But the sad part about the whole thing is that when you really look at it, that's not because of the Tongan guys at all. If anything, they look really solid in the Bullet Club. They always have. Even now with that bootleg Bullet Club they're with, they're the best thing about it. It's all the guys under them. Exactly. And then the worst part about it is that it's not even that all the guys under them are shitty. At least in the case of the NWO, they took a bunch of guys like the Stevie Rays and the fucking Virgils and, you know, those guys, and they they gave them purpose. They made them, you know, the the Scott Norton. Remember Scott Norton and NWO and NWO Vest? disciple all these guys yeah. they made them they made them more relevant you wouldn't have given a shit to who they were if they weren't wasn't for the nwo but the sad part is that when you look at the uh the bullet club that they have now in new japan most of those guys were better off without it like evil was better in lij it's not even like a compelling story or anything like they're like making it sound like they they discovered gold here with this compelling can you imagine if somebody turns evil and joins the big evil faction yeah actually i can that's one of the most common things and uh you wasted lij doing it and it wasn't really any good so when I look at this, it's yeah. just like, it, it, it's weird how they're, it diminishes a lot of their wrestlers. I've never really looked at those guys as jobby until being part of this bullet club. We're like, now I'm looking at ghetto and Jado and even freaking evil and all of these guys. And they all look like scrubs now. It didn't do them yeah, any favors. Either, evil didn't win a single match in G1 on his own. All the doing is like ruining evil, The last time he was in G1, he wasn't using LIJ's help. They interfere constantly, and the interferences aren't even as good. And it doesn't make sense when it's Japanese people in the Bullet Club. The whole story, the plot of the Bullet Club, at least from my perspective watching it, it always felt like an American outsider coming in. And uh, and occasionally sort of, they'd have like one or two Japanese guys, and then yeah. it made a big deal. Yeah, but to me, that's what I felt like. It was the American outsiders coming and doing things their way and breaking tradition, you know. And then the Japanese guys trying to like keep things normal. And then you had like a sellout, like uh, what's his name, Takahashi, Tokyo Pimp, who wound yeah. up joining him, and that was it. That was a good story being told. Now it doesn't make any sense. Like, so who's fighting for what now? You know what I mean? Like, who, like who are the bad guys? Like the line, like it's just kind of weird. Like obviously they are, but the original intent and purpose is gone. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, realistically, I'm at the point now when it comes to like the Tongans. Uh, Fale, a lot of those guys, I see them in, if they weren't wearing the logos, I forgot to go Bullet Club. Because yeah, they're so much different from the Bullet Club we've constantly been seeing this past year. But they don't even really wear the logos or flag it like that. So honestly, to me, the yeah. Japanese guys are doing that shit way more. Like the Tongans just come out there and just wrestle and they do their thing and it says representing Bullet Club, but these guys are doing their low sweet. <laughs> and all this the other fucking this. sweet and low and everything. The sweet and low. Like, I, I, call I, it, yeah. I get where Tom. I get where Tom comes from the legacy perspective. But what we got it hard to kill was more Bullet Club than we've gotten in a long time. Realistically, yeah, like a lot of because it has become that bullet felt crap. like the outsiders that came from Japan. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. You know, like uh, if this was the same Bullet Club we had a few years ago, maybe he'd have more of a point. But it's like. This isn't the same Bullet Club anymore. That being said, it doesn't change anything about him being 100% correct yeah. in his uh, in his claims. Like, it, they are the Bullet Club. They never disbanded. Those guys left, and they're celebrating a reunion of a stable that they never had. They should have called it something else. And uh, they're not even the original members when you really look at it. Kenny Omega wasn't even one of, like, the top-tier guys there. The Bucks came later. Uh, I think Anderson's the only one of that group who was there since day one. Yeah, so... They should have just called it something else. Like, they really are milking the name and the shirt. And uh, I get he that, that he's healing it up. When Omega does that, he's sort of healing it up, which I understand that part of the angle. It's like when you used to, during the 2001, watch Stone Cold Steve Austin wearing a WCW shirt. 
you know, and it wasn't even a WCW logo that ever existed. It was the one that they basically uh, baptized them with when they, the when they, logo. When they yeah, that thing, they never had a logo like that on Nitro. That one with the sharp W or whatever. They, that was, that <laughs> was completely made here from them. So, um, yeah, this was sort of a, I don't know, weird, weird uh, healing it up style thing with the Bullet Club. But I was thinking that when I was watching it, like, are these guys okay with that? Like, it was, it was really making me wonder, like, if they would be cool with somebody just using their shit. I feel like I kind of figured like if it was if it was gonna piss anybody off, it was gonna be uh Tom and Tongaloa. Right. I was like if nobody else gets pissed, it's gonna be those two. And it's Fale too, but Yeah. And then I know a lot of people were citing the relationship between Don Callis and New Japan Pro Wrestling, but even recently, uh there was a podcast, I believe it's called Sitting Ringside with David Penser that spoke uh to him. And uh Apparently, he he was quoted as saying that he saw his business with New Japan as being done. When he went into New Japan in 2017, they were on one level. And when he booked Jericho versus Omega at the Tokyo Dome, their entire business model changed. Their revenue went up exponentially. And uh, I guess the rest of this is in gimmick. He says they've been riding the Don Callis effect ever since. There's nothing left for him to do in New Japan. And anything that he could do in New Japan would now pale in comparison to the game-changing nature that he did three years ago and he has zero interest. But at the same time, that's also accurate. Like, he's not really dealing with anything over there. So, yeah, pretty much. If anyone is, is if, if this is like a, a larger picture type deal where New Japan silently agreeing to this because there's going to be even more of a collaboration, and they're doing a great job. Because to me, I'm not getting that impression. But maybe, maybe everybody's working us. And this is a bigger angle down the road. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, yeah. I would love for these guys to come over to New Japan and beat up that other Bullet Club. That'd be incredible. Oh, my God. They'd clean out most of the Bullet Club. (laughs) Maybe they're just... They wouldn't have a struggle until they got to the Tongans and Fowler. Because otherwise, I just don't see how all this is being done. And if Tom is shooting, then uh, he's right. They're kind of just milking the name here. Which I think there'd be legality. They can't just do that. So there has to be some sort of a partnership. I'm going to believe that until I hear otherwise. And Thomas always been really good at his shoot work work shoot promos. Mm-hmm. Like Thomas has the personality to where he'll sound like he's shooting until he tells you he's not. Yeah. Well, here's hoping because I would like to see some more collaborations between everybody, some more good times. You know. So in other news, a long time friendship has ended between two long time stars in the wrestling business at least this is to my knowledge i haven't heard this myself yet but jim Cornette apparently just completely buried jericho recently uh, it almost doesn't surprise me did you hear about it i haven't heard about it but at this point every time somebody tells me Cornette buries somebody i'm just convinced i missed it i'm behind on the recent Cornette stuff i listen to him regularly but since i have a lot going on i haven't listened to this or the current stuff Shit. let me see if i could find the uh the stamp here of what's going on before we give any judgment here. Cornette seems to bury everybody, though. I wish he stopped doing it to people who are actually his buddies, though, but let's see how severe Cornette, it is. Like, Cornette just buries everything on site at this point. Here's the thing. Everybody has been hearing me knock Chris Jericho, my old buddy and friend and lifelong pal, for quite some time now. At first, we said he was the star of the show. He realizes he's the only mainstream star they've got that can still go that everybody knows who the fuck he is he can use his own name he's going to be the top heel he's going to take and carry this company on his back and about three months in suddenly he started playing with the cool kids and 
running angles with pockets and having programs with all the fucking little darlings instead of being a serious top heel. And we've panned him since then, but still people say, well, do you want, do you want his carcass boiled in oil and the fat sold for soap? Like you'd like to see done with Olivier? No, I can honestly say that even though Chris had been embarrassing me and making me frustrated with his activity and I thought he should be ashamed of himself for what he's capable of doing versus what he's been doing to try to help teach these young idiots instead of falling in with them and, and validating their bad habits. If he was hanging from his fingernails off the edge of a cliff, I would have still thrown him a rope. If he was on fire, I wouldn't have pissed on him. I'd actually gone and got a water hose and put him out. Because it's still crazy. You could admire and respect what he had done in wrestling. He's been there. He's achieved at a high level. And what we had to say constantly was he's better than this. Why is he doing this? But I still had to, as we did the list earlier, say positive things about him. But now, and it's not even the COVID thing, just being stupid about COVID. But now it's finding out all the other things that we didn't know about Chris, such as he's delusional. And he actually gave $40,000, $40,000 to Donald Trump to get reelected. He thought that this fucking criminal deserved another chance. He's with them. Whether he was always one of them or whether they've brainwashed him, the fact is that now I can say, desecrating the wrestling business even didn't break my friendship with Chris Jericho. I still would have thrown him that rope if he was hanging off the edge of a cliff. But now that I know that he felt so strongly that Donald fucking Trump should get four more years to bring an end to this country as we know it and create chaos around the world and kill who knows how many other people and be responsible for the deaths of who knows how many other people, Chris, don't be on a cliff around me because fuck you. You can fucking drop. And this is from Jim to Chris. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're a filthy human being that supported a filthy, disgusting pig. And that's why you get my fuck you. We are no longer friends and never will be again. And I don't feel bad at all anymore about fucking taking apart your shitty fucking performances on this fucking supposed wrestling program. You've infected people now. You got infected yourself because you've been listening to this fucking mango Mussolini and you think just like him. And I'm ashamed of you. And I'm sorry that I asked Lance Storm, hey, can you bring that guy you were working with in your audition video along? He looks good too. I'm sorry I said that because now I played a part in you being able to be successful enough to give Donald fucking Trump $40,000. You got too much money, Chris, and too little sense, and there's no fucking handicapped children or abused animals that could have used that money. Fuck you. Oh, All right. Jeez. Ooh. So you aren't listening to this bullshit anymore? I'm still a you guy. So, still so, so, love so, so Jim you guys know how fond I am, oh, like yeah, out yeah. of everyone, yeah, all the old first. school wrestling heads. But uh, no, no, no. You, I was just gonna say I'm still fond of him. But uh, no, you. I want to hear your thoughts on the fact. I haven't even really thought about. It. It's my first time hearing that shit. So let's see. What, what Jericho's been in the game thirty years? I think it is somewhere around that. You 
hop up on your show and talk about, oh, I regret talking to Lance Storm about this guy and his audition tape decades ago because a grown man with buku money decided to donate it to somebody he supports. It's funny. I never thought Jim Cornette would turn into that kind of people you see on social media where it's like, if you voted for Trump, our friendship's over. I mean, it's always been a pretty radical left. That being said, either way, regardless of what your opinions are, it's sad when friendships break up over politics or religion or anything. And uh, it's become so extreme now. And again, and I'm going to disclaimer here, I have no political affiliation. I just observe the sides here. But it's just become extreme now for the left when they see people who are on the right to just completely disown them and say, you're not my friend anymore. If you were a Republican, you're not my friend. If you were a Donald Trump supporter. And even if they have really valid, let's just say they have very valid, strong political arguments for their side. This is the first time in our history it's gotten to a point where um, it's determined friendships and affiliations and employments and stuff which i think is really really bad and i again i always get accused of uh being a trump supporter and radical right just because i ask questions that nobody else does or point out things that nobody else will example being this impeachment that's going on i don't really know too much about impeachments but i do have a few questions like uh my first question would be number one was there a trial because last I checked, trials for just about anything take really, really long. And I'm talking parking tickets. So my first question, just throwing it out there without taking political affiliations, I'm always accused, would be, was, was there a trial? And then question number two would be, was there any witnesses? Because you usually need those two things in order for there to be an impeachment. And I've been under the radar, but I just kind of felt like I didn't hear about any of that. My issue politically is that just me asking this question will trigger a lot of people. I didn't say that there wasn't a trial and I didn't say that there weren't witnesses, but I'm asking based on my perspective and someone who follows social media and YouTube, you would think that this trial will be all over, right? There'd be like a little thumbnail that one of us would have scrolled past somewhere where there would have been a trial, which I can assure you as little as I know about impeachments. A trial is fucking necessary for one. Prove me otherwise. Now, that being said, staying completely neutral, my question remains, have any of you scrolled across anything or are you old schoolers, you old school cable people, you hit the five o'clock news and saw like a trial or some sort of witnesses or anything? Because they would have had to be really fast, faster than they swore in that other judge person when, uh, when this girl, when the, when the old lady died. I, again, I don't want to get political on here too much. I just ask questions that aren't really asked too often. Because it's, it's interesting, right? Like, think about how fast that level of shit can happen. Did you ever know that you could impeach anybody that fast? You couldn't even get back your dog in a separation with your girl if you both adopted him together. At the speed of this impeachment. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't get back your fucking PS5 if she bought it for you for Christmas and you're going through a divorce right now at the speed of this impeachment. So I ask without being fucking called a Trump lover or supporter of Republican, just the logical questions of was there like a trial with witnesses? Did the process happen? And it just flew under the radar lightning quick court system seems to only move fast for that specific thing 
Anyone who's been alive for the last six months can tell you, no matter what business you have with the courts, they're moving really slow. Now, when they're really fast, impeachments take long. Go look it up. This one, though, that shit was really fast. It felt like we it was literally between pay-per-views. Think about it. What was the last pay-per-view we covered? Last one we covered was uh, shit. What, what, we, we didn't even do Final Battle. It was actually, yeah, it was uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Like, Wrestle Kingdom. Well, let's go ago. with a WWE pay-per-view. That's WWE pay-per-view. Holy fuck, I think it was uh, TLC. TLC. He wasn't impeached when, when we were covering TLC. The next pay-per-view hasn't even come. Somewhere between the last pay-per-view that we were up to and the pay-per-view that we're still heading towards, that, by the way, we don't have a poll for this week because it ain't next week. It's even the following week after that. That's how fast. Think about the space between TLC. And it's funny as a wrestling fan, but sometimes I like to, to, to base timelines on wrestling. Think about the space between TLC and Royal Rumble because somewhere in there, not only did he get accused, there had to have been a trial witnesses and an impeachment. I'm just asking. If anybody wants to know, let me let me just let me know. And then when it comes to the whole thing of like we're talking about friendships, so I have a friend that lives in Gainesville. Me and this person have been friends for I believe this year is uh twenty one years. Her and her husband both support Trump. Guess how many times that's come over and come up in conversation? Not a single one. You know why? Because when we when we first became friends, political shit didn't have anything to do with it. How is something that didn't have a factor to do in your friendship starting? Have such a great deal in your friendship ending. Because Destin, people on the radical left will tell you that by you doing that, you're contributing. You're the problem. You're you're allowing. Oh, you're giving this person permission to be ignorant. You're giving this person permission to betray their country. You're giving them permission to incite riots and violence and racism. You're saying, by you saying nothing, you're saying that it's okay that all this shit happens. That's the argument. <laughs> you see what I mean? It's- when in reality, it's just me saying, no, I got to go to work in the morning. I got shit to do. And my life does not revolve around a man who doesn't even know I exist. It becomes like a mission, like in cyberpunk, where no matter what, you're either going with one or the other. That's what life has become. There is no thing you could have done before this or saved before to make it where you're going to be cool with everybody at the end of these choices. One or the other is going to want you dead. That's what politics has become. And even when you do the choices like mine, where you just kind of stay down the middle observing stuff, at the end of it, someone will still draw weapons. You'll be like, what the fuck? What did I say? Is there a way I could have done this differently because I thought I was all right? That's what politics has become. You realize, oh, shit. No, well, power pistol. And it's kind of sad because, I mean, Cornette and Jericho have been friends for like a really long time. And I kind of have to blame Cornette for this one. And once again, I'll be accused because I took the side of the guy who was the right wing. But no, it's because, like, I this guy burns bridges sometimes very unnecessarily. You know what I mean? He feels really passionate about his political stances, and I get that, and that's cool, and we love Jim Cornette. But damn, man, like, I just wish he wouldn't have, like, just burned that fucking bridge like that. Like, as much as we take amusement in his shoots and shit, like, uh, I I just don't think that it was necessary, you know? And then to go as far as talking about Mm -hmm. about regretting talking to Lance Storm about the guy he wrestled in in his audition tape and regretting, like, like, you know the thing about this George George did he, he didn't really come out about it. He just happened to mention that he did it. Why does Cordent need to go off the fucking deep end for it? It's Jericho's money. After thirty plus years in the business, I'd like to think you can spend your money however the heck you please. I'm not even sure if like, he mentioned for, that for, he for did as much it. as he's contri- for as much as you contribute to the business, if he wants to donate fifty, sixty, seventy dollars, that's Jericho's business. What does that have to do with Cornette? 
I didn't even know it was Jericho. What is that? I was under the impression that it was just it was public that he he did it. I've never, to yeah. be honest, I I hear Jericho put money towards a lot of stuff, but I never hear it from Jericho. I always hear it from right. The we always hear it from somebody else. Like whenever somebody's house burns or someone's homeless or hurt or dying or sick or has cancer or anything, or if a relative died, you always hear from the sheets. We always have a report on here that Jericho gave them money. Or sometimes it'll be I, it'll be examples. I can't think of any specifics, but it'll be something like on a Patreon, there was a substantial amount of money and like we knew it was Jericho, even though he didn't put his name there or something like that. So it's not unheard of for him to uh, to do things with money. You know? He just never don't want to mention it. That's what so, we're saying. So never, he didn't mention any of it. I don't know if he mentioned it. I didn't hear that he mentioned it. I haven't heard anything. I follow Jericho on social media, so it's like... But that's part of what being American is. He has the right to make the amount of money that he made working and then choose a political affiliation and then donate toward it. That's the fucking system that's in place. It's just a little bit unfair, and I think it's just... It's not good to end the friendship over something that's just the way that things have always been. Because of now everyone's a little bit more up in arms and passionate about it. Not to say that Jim Cornette's right or even Jericho's right. But I'm just saying that at the end of the day, I can't even say Jim Cornette's wrong for ending the friendship. Because I guess that's the value he had on that friendship. So I guess the most I can say is that it saddens me that that's the value he had of that friendship. Where he kind of put this this bullshit over it. But if that's the way he felt, hey, who are we to say that that's not the way it is, you know? Like, I wouldn't just throw somebody's friendship under the bus in a in a video unless I didn't give the, any a single shit about them. So I'm going to have to fall <laughs> under the impression that he didn't matter, um, that Jericho didn't matter enough to him that he didn't do it. You know, if, if it would have bothered him, he wouldn't have done it. But I just think it's a little bit unnecessary, especially over stuff like that. So many friends and people that don't no longer talk because of politics that have always been here, but are just more accentuated by the fact that social media exists now. It's so funny to watch. It's like a fucking comedy. Like, everyone's hating on each other for no reason, instead of trying to elevate each other during bad times, which is mind-blowing to me. We're going through a whole fucking pandemic, and people out there are wondering who you support in the election. Like, what? And then the hypocrisy, which I hate to say because I'll be accused, but the hypocrisy that comes from the left is that they, their their agenda has to happens to have an all-inclusive nature of you have to accept all people no matter what, what their thing is. Well, if your but fucking thing is being Republican, the then you have to uh, you have to accept it, whether you like it or you have to. You don't have to agree with it, but you have to accept it. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. Now, it's become you can't even not agree with it, but accept it. You have to agree with it, and even if you don't agree with it, then uh, that's not even good enough. And that's where I think I draw the line a lot of the time. There's just too many things that go that way. So. You know, you can't be all inclusive and say we're going to let everybody of all types of different religions and beliefs and values be be part of our culture. And then on the other side, the moment that there is a system, value or culture that you don't agree with, fuck those people. That's literally the exact opposite of what you said. And my problem with that is that this almost goes back to the uh, the thing with the Japanese people being in Bullet Club. It's changed so much that what was the, the original reason that they were even all fighting for in the first place? If the whole reason the Democrats were uh, were trying to take a stance with their agenda was to have all-inclusive people, no matter what your beliefs are, somewhere along the way, that got diluted because there are differences. If your beliefs happen to be fucking right, then fuck you. That's literally the opposite. Am I wrong about that? Spot on. That's like if I was like, everyone is welcome in here. Everyone can call into the show. Except you Democrats. Fuck y'all. You know, but we're all inclusive. Like it would be, it's a contradiction. You either allow people, because I know people on both sides politically, 
And uh, I, I agree with values on both sides, but I've never looked at someone as less, no matter what side they're on. So I don't know. I looked at people, maybe I've looked at people a little bit higher if they've stayed walking the line, but that becomes progr- like increasingly harder to do when people, the new thing in society is to post labels on one another. So it's like, if they label you as something, then suddenly you are it. What the fuck are you supposed to do about it? Like if by me coming on here and observing the, the logic and psychology of the way the politics has been working, and it happens to make Democrats look a little bit off in their agendas. And they happen to hear this and then decide, well, fuck him. He had the Trump lover and everything. Then automatically, without me choosing an affiliation, I was self-proclaimed that by the opposing party. What are you going to do? That's what happens a lot of fucking time. I've never said what I was affiliated to because I'm not affiliated to shit. But again, as an observer, whenever you ask the questions of why are things being done a certain way, it just raises alarms. They just kind of want you to go with the collective without really thinking about it. And the sad part is that if we were to go back to the past four years, you can find a lot of cases of that. We're not going to do it because I've done it with you guys Ooh, over man. the years on here. But you find a lot of cases where even even though you might not agree with who's the president or who's there, you ask, well, how was this done? Or was this done fairly? And you won't be able to find a correct fucking answer. But because you ask the question, it's deflection by saying, oh, you're a Trump lover, or you're a Republican, or you're a right wing or whatever or, or, or whatever. There's always deflection to honest questions. And I think that's sort of what's happening a lot of the time here. And when it affects you like this, it's sad. This is the reason why people used to not even say who they vote for. That used to be the way things went back in the day. You kept it to yourself. People didn't want to risk their fucking friendships because apparently that weighed on your friendship. It's too public and it's too out there. People get too emotionally invested in that kind of stuff. And I honestly don't feel it's justified. Like unless they have a stake in the game. And I mean a real stake in the game. Not just like, oh, this is my country. Yes, your country. What do you do? If you work at Walmart, you don't really, I mean, yeah, you, you, you pay taxes and you live, but you're not really contributing to the bigger picture, motherfucker. And I don't mean to d- diminish the value of any employer, but when people try to just get that emotionally involved in something that they have nothing to do with, it makes me question, why didn't they pursue that path in life in the first place? You could have been a politician. If you really feel that strongly about something, why didn't you try to involve yourself in it in some better way than just tweeting about it? And I, and I, that goes for anyone. It's worth more than just bitching about. I think you should invest in things that you care about. But uh, yeah, when you when I see people disowning one another, like, oh yeah, you know, you like this person, well, fuck you then. It's like Jesus. It's like I see what our friendship, man. Good lord. All right. Well, whatever then. I'd hate to see you in a hostage situation and you be disowned by favor. Yeah, like I would, or at the very least, have a conversation with the person. I'm gonna give someone the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna approach them, and and question their uh their choice if i feel that strongly about it and if the friendship ever meant anything in the first place like i'm the first guy that i could rekindle the friendship with a phone call like all right let's talk a little bit about where things went astray or what i disagree with about your values and let's see where we can meet and then if that doesn't work then yeah sure fuck you i'll be the first fuck you to the door but at the very least i'm going to give you that olive branch we're going to try you're not going to hear from a third party without us ever trying fuck you Especially because you took time out of my fucking life and energy out of me for me to have the friendship in the first place. You owe me the fuck you that I'm going to give you. So I'm going to give it to you. I'm not going to deliver it through a podcast. If possible, I'm going to deliver it to your fucking doorstep. I like my fuck yous to be hand delivered. (laughs) (laughs) So if I have an issue with somebody, then yeah. I give them the benefit of the doubt. We would try to have a discussion, roundtable discussion, conference room discussion about our stuff, whether it's on the phone or whatever. If we could rekindle it, I'll be your best friend. I'll give you a hug and everything. But it's only because if it falls apart, then yeah, I'll have less guilt behind the steam of my fuck you that I'm delivering to your door. But I think that's the better way to handle things. Not a long distance fuck you. You never heard something. That's like if I heard that somebody I'm related to or a friend that I have was a supporter of an affiliation I didn't like. So I just went on here without ever talking to them about it. And I was just like, hey, 
fuck you because you it's like i'd have to very least reach out to that person <laughs> because even if I, I can't change their mind or they can't change mine we could come to a mutual understanding where i could see both perspectives and we could keep the friendship going but long distance fuck you because of political affiliation they don't make any sense number one you cheat you cheat them out of giving themselves a chance to discuss it with you and uh, you cheat yourself out of a good fuck you if the person really is an asshole right there's a level of satisfaction that comes with that in-person fuck you but that's the whole thing. Everyone is, is confrontational, but not in person, not to the extent. It's not like me, where it's kind of like I welcome in person fuck yous. You know what I mean? But it's like a lot of people on here where it's like you've heard from other people who've been on the call with us and other people who are past co-hosts that have said, oh, you know, when we met Ricky, it was actually a little bit more intense than the uh, <laughs> than the podcast. Where it's like that's sort of the way that I, I like for people to be. A lot of people will say shit like that. But then when they see you at at signings or Comic Cons or conventions, they're, they're going to be more humble than that. I'm going to double down on my fuck you. Like, I brought a special fuck you since it's a special event. So I think that's the way you want to handle things. You give people a chance, and then you show them. You <laughs> you, you give people a chance, and then, and then you give them your best fuck you. Uh, I'm sorry, but what popped me it was in my own head. I was thinking, when I was saying that, I was thinking about uh, the last moments of the cell fight. Were like uh, oh. in, the, in the Japanese version. Yeah, you, in, the, you. in the in the in the Japanese version, you Goku from the heavens go go hot. Give him your best kamihamiha. And I was thinking that you know, give him your best fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's with one arm, you know make sure that it's the best fuck you he could project. Yeah. You know the bad part is I was watching this shit the other day. It's still to this day my favorite fight because the fact that you walked him down at the end of it. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to give him that walk him down, fuck you. That's exactly it. Do you want to give him that walk him down, fuck you? Not that long distance shit. So I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. We're going to talk about this. But the point being, that's if I was that person. I'm probably not that person. Like, it wouldn't be a political instance of me talking to you about your affiliation, us agreeing to disagree, and then at the end of being a fuck you. Like, I I don't think it would be important enough to end the friendship. But if there was a, a meeting of the mind that didn't go right, that's when you give the fuck you. But you don't at least not try to talk to the person. So it's sad when you see friendships like that ending. Like Jericho and him didn't even speak. This was, he knows as much about the friendship ending as we do. It was in that fucking audio drop. That's not the way to go about it, man. That's not how you do it. You don't publicly, unless somebody was to do that to you, then you throw them under the bus. I mean, you've seen Destin and I on here. Longtime listeners know that we don't really mess with anybody on here. But the moment that somebody tries to throw us under the bus, we'll, we'll use this as a public forum. We'll have your face on the, on the Tron there. Take we'll shots with darts and shit. We'll put you on our Jackbox game. Holy shit, we put you on our jackpot. We have giveaways of shitty things and always make you win. That way you can send shit to your house legally. I don't know. I just thought of that off the top of my head. That is the <laughs> true that I is the there. true ghost of Christmas <laughs> fuck you. I don't know where I went with that one. Can you do that? Imagine if I just came up with that and that's the thing. Ooh. If you could if you have somebody if you have a a, a show or, or or some sort of content, you can have people win giveaways of shitty things. And legally, you're not really like her. Like, if you win an empty Yuhu carton and you send it to their house, they can't do shit because they want it in the giveaway, right? Don't even tell them what they want. You want a surprise. And when they ask why you did it, you say it's a raffle. It's like like loot boxes. He could have won anything. It just happened to be Yuhu. That motherfucker spun and he wanted with a full can of lukewarm RC Cola. Yeah, how come he has this RC Cola and this half drunk uh, and and this half used peroxide bottle? He got another shitty loot box. Perfectly legal. By Why the you got a lifetime subscription of Pepsi? Even if you have to use a little money to get that resource out there, can you imagine? You're pegging the shit out of this person. They're winning prizes all the time. Deodorant stick oh. with almost none left. <laughs> Loot box fucked you again. 
you have two swipes before that sharp piece cuts you. In. <laughs> send them send them a game like thief for xbox one that game what is that game like 299 oh shit then, then then the argument is that every now and then he won a game okay so you said use teabag that's fucked up skinny bar of soap so, i hate so, when so. The, i hate when the soap gets down to that skinny point skinny bar of soap there you go oh where it's like almost a weapon if you know never you use it Ooh. just go for i always go for a fresh bar he could always get a monthly skinny bar of soap <laughs> give him a give him a bag of popcorn with just the kernels left no congratulations popcorn. you won again <laughs> okay we need to stop segueing here as much fun as that was moral of the story people don't end your friendships over bullshit nope you never know what I might send you you never know what you might win oh my god that was the original moral of the story close enough but anyway good news message signed sealed and delivered as of right now Vince McMahon is the record holder for the oldest WWE champion of all time because he was 54 years old in 21 days when he beat Triple H back in 1999 on SmackDown. 54 years old. Oldest champion. That can all change, though, if Goldberg wins. We are not canonized. That bullshit. I refuse. Because he would be winning at 54 years old and 35 days. Only a couple of weeks more than Vince, but just enough for Goldberg. If he happens to pull this off, not only will he leave with your title and screw over Drew McIntyre, and now you have him as the champ of Raw, he will have broken Vince's, one of Vince's only really big records, having that 54 years, year old title. Now you have Goldberg as the staple for that instead of Vince. And it also brings to light the fact that Goldberg is as old as Vince McMahon was when he was considered Vince McMahon, you know? Can we add in the technicality that he has actually been able to wrestle as long as Vince did? Well, Vince is no we gem throw that in the in, ring. In a way, hell, he can never reckon. Like I said, Vince is no gem in the ring. But yeah, Goldberg... Yeah, Vince, Vince can go longer than five seconds, so... Goldberg might take that title. We we, we, we know he is. We, we, we know that's what they're going to do. Because they still think this is 2004. There's definitely animosity there for this guy. Like There's, oh, there's no, no question shit. about it at this point. He just taken up space that other people have earned. Eric Bischoff actually recently talked a little bit about Goldberg and what the issue is with him. I'm going to let you hear a little bit of that here and link you guys to it as well. This is Riju from Sportskeeda. I recently caught up with... Okay, let's see if is Bischoff actually and in here. For a variety of reasons. There we go. And secondly, I, I don't know. I just haven't given it any thought. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Hulk Hogan. Who knows? Okay, that would make sense. What would have happened if Vince McMahon had actually shown up for the come for uh, when you invited him to come fight you? <laughs> oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, be careful, man. Vince was talking back then. Let's see if we can find the actual question that we want answered. Okay, here we go. Okay, so this was a full interview here. Why do you think Goldberg gets such a bad rap whenever he comes to WWE? But Sting is praised by one and all when he goes to AEW. Well, I think it all goes back to, you know, the beginning of Goldberg's career. Um, Bill Goldberg became a megastar almost overnight. And as a result of that, Bill Goldberg was thrust into the limelight uh, in main event matches with top-level talent without really having the experience to that, that would enable him to have longer, more dramatic types of matches 
that you would see out of a sting or a Chris Jericho or you name it, any of the other top stars. So I think because of Bill Goldberg's limited experience in the very beginning and the fact that Bill didn't really develop a much broader skill set in terms of his technical abilities in the ring, um, fans sometimes look at Bill Goldberg as a, a limited star in terms of his in rings and ring ability. And I think there's some some resentment, you know, in the in the eyes of the fans for that. They don't really understand how Bill Goldberg and they understand the character, how powerful of a character is he is. But because of the limitations that he has in terms of what he can do in the ring, I think there's just a little bit of uh, resentment or resistance, if you will, to Bill How the idea of pairing Scott Steiner and an- What do you think of Goldberg thoughts? I mean, I know when I'm watching Sting wrestle, I'm going to see Sting actually wrestle, not just hit two moves scream into five and walk away whereas yeah he's right like Goldberg really didn't have to crawl and work his way to the top he just speared a few dozen people and then got a title Sting had to gradually work from Steve Borden to Surfer Sting to Crow Sting to everything he did in TNA and then he got to where he is now so now when you see him it's like oh shit it's Sting Versus Goldberg, it's been the same shit. Like, they treat it like he just showed up in WCW. I've said before, why is Sting barreling through Kevin Owens in two moves? Yeah, but Goldberg, then when I, see, when I see with Sting, there's an aura that comes with Sting to where he doesn't have to do much. Goldberg's definitely a case of the gimmick being greater than the man was. Yeah. The, if, you, if you strip the gimmick away, it's just a guy who used to play for the Falcons. Whereas if you strip Steve Borden away from Sting, there's actually something there. There's a level of curiosity to it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like Goldberg gets like Goldberg. The reason people are okay with Sting showing up in in AEW for one thing, Sting doesn't show up that often. Goldberg shows up once a year to win a title for two weeks and then drop it to the next guy he fights. Yeah, it's the way they use him. It's definitely the way that they use him. You can't use Goldberg at, what did you say, now 50, how much? Uh, 54, 54 years old, same as Vince was when he won the title. You can't use Goldberg at 54 like you were using Goldberg when he first showed up in WCW. That's not convincing anymore. People see straight through that. Yeah. Whereas you tell me the old guy's got to use a baseball bat to fuck people up, I can believe that. Because I'm not running up on an old man with a baseball bat. No, I am right there with you. All right, well, Matt Riddle is having a good, happy time. I don't know why this would matter to him. But apparently, the UFC has dr- officially dropped marijuana from their banned substances list. Now, marijuana is it's just fine. You can smoke weed all you want if you're in the UFC. He tweeted, I got the greatest birthday gift of all today. Maybe nine years late, but still an amazing gift. And one more thing in my record, 10-3, bro. So... If you're in the UFC, you could just smoke now. I I kind of feel like it was. So the, in other the, words, we're gonna see the we're gonna see the Diaz brothers a lot more now. No, <laughs> I kind of feel like it was just a smart move for them to make. At this point, it's almost foolish 
for someone to yeah. have weed on a list of things that you can't do anywhere. Especially a company that's going all over the world and shit when there's a lot of places where, where marijuana is legal in a lot of states at this point. So it would just be weird that that's like a thing that they're like sniffing for when it doesn't even, it's not even performance enhancing. You know what I mean? So, it's relax enhancing. <laughs> so they can't, it, it was good that they did that. So that's fine. And they, the dirt sheets ringside mentions that WWE has a weed tax, which we mentioned on here before, which is it's a $2,500 fine. When you get a positive THC result on their wellness policy, which that's not really a lot, but still they should probably drop that too. Yeah. Sometimes with the stress of traveling on the road, you gotta relax a little. Yeah. Um, but the scary part of it all is that we just now heard recently that Matt Riddle might not have signed that new WWE contract that we originally heard that he did sign. Oh shit. Yeah. Right. They better, uh, they better get him to sign. (laughs) Y'all better lock that motherfucker down. <laughs> you know, you don't want him going anywhere. If you don't, the next place he shows up will get the pop of a lifetime. Yeah, Brian Alvarez spoke about on Wrestling Observer where he basically said that, uh, remember that? Remember when they, they offered him a new deal? I don't think he signed yet. Just want to throw that out there. So, mm. I mean, they have to offer him a lot of money or, and, and, they, and stuff like that, you know? That's too big of a star to let go. But you know what it is? At the same time, they, they've... uh. We have to know the specifics of his deal because they've been lowballing a lot of people, man. Remember we spoke about that last week? How now they don't really care about keeping oh, yeah. talent and stuff? You know, we hear that some talent that have been lowballed recently are your boys, the Retribution. They were offered three-year contracts that were $250,000 each per year. Even Mustafa Ali. These are all way... I mean, they're, they're all... Yeah, I mean, they're all way lower than any than anything else that was being offered up to this point. Retribution are the examples of the new pay pay grade where like all of their contracts are low ball deals. And uh, I guess they oh. uh, I'm assuming they signed these. So it ain't too really too much of an option for that group. Yeah, Matt Riddle on the other hand, maybe he saw something in there and he didn't like it. He thought, fuck that. I'm worth more, bro. <laughs> and uh I don't know if this would have anything to do with it, but we're hearing that there's heat with Mustafa Ali. Or some sort of possible heat with Mustafa Ali. We're always hearing that there's some sort of stuff, which I almost feel like they're milking it because of the gimmick. But uh, Sean yeah. Sean Ross uh, Sap basically said that uh, he heard that there was someone who took exception to when Mustafa Ali was saying that they pipe in audio. And then when he asked it, he was like, what would anyone be mad at? And he said that they said, uh, well, the fact that he brought up that they piped in that noise. And then he said, they do. And he said, yeah, but they don't want them going out there and saying that. And then... uh. Ryan, uh, he said, well, why not? It's obvious. It's okay. Baseball does it. Football does it. You know, basketball does it. Don't treat us like we're stupid. So apparently he got heat. And I do remember when he brought in that they pipe in the audio. So I guess maybe that somehow get them heat. I could see them getting mad about that, even though that's an obvious thing. See, they, they, they like to pretend in their little circle that we don't know it's piped in. When you expose them to that reality, they get pissy. Yeah, but... uh. On Wrestling Observer, they also spoke about the fact that there is a growing frustration, like with the ability for them to control the the reactions. Um, there's a lot of talent that realize that now the company makes the sound based on who they want to push and who they don't. And then like at the end of the day, you can't even get a reaction from the fans now to change that. 
and they are right when you really look at it you're not just getting like generic sounds like they give certain people high pops they give certain people a lot of heat but then certain people some mild or like before they even start talking they're booing them and shit like they're just there's no way for them to ever get over no matter what they do as long as the, there's a pandemic the thunderdome exists and as long as the thunderdome exists it's impossible for you to get over if they don't want you to because they can always just use that shit against you and that's why they don't like people like him bringing up that they do that because they draw attention to it so i could sort of see the logic of both sides of that you know yeah i could definitely see that yeah it's a rough company to work for you know hey <laughs> the truth mm-hmm. recently renee young was speaking to chris van vliet and she was asked about uh going to AEW because I'm, I'm pretty sure at this point she's done with WWE I'll link you guys to this as we check it out here just assumed you know your husband works for AEW they just kind of assumed that you'll end up in AEW at yeah. some point yeah I mean I don't know maybe maybe like I'll wrestle Brandy and then like our kids will oh, wrestle you're gonna wrestle now who knows <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's the thing, too, is that you look at AEW and I think everything they're doing is fantastic. I'm not saying I wouldn't do something there. I for sure would if the right thing came up, but it's not the thing that I'm like chasing down. Um, I think my time in WWE was so great and my time in wrestling has been so great, but I don't want to be have that be the only thing that I do. I don't want to pigeon, pigeonhole myself as like just being like the wrestling girl. I'll always have that in my wheelhouse and have that be a, a thing that I lean on. But I think there's so many other things that I want to do that uh, I think just going right to working another wrestling company would sort of take away from my whole purpose of wanting to walk away. When John left WWE. Did- yeah, well, I think she's going to inevitably want him, even if it's just for special events and papers and stuff. There's no way that they wouldn't utilize her and have her make appearances and things. Probably as soon as that WWE stuff wears off, you know, whatever her non-compete yeah. clause is on her current contract. I don't see why not. Yeah, or she's going to take a little time, have a break from it all, but yeah, when she's ready to come back. I mean, it's not, it wouldn't be, it's no shock if that's probably what she wanted to Yeah. But I mean, it is good to just kind of step away from it and just chill for a while, so. You don't have to just instantly jump there just because Moxley's there. I can agree with you there. So, uh, recently Bully Ray made some comments in regards to the wrestling uh, territories where he said that it's hard for him to come on his show and he doesn't want to do this first and foremost. He he doesn't look to come on the show and point out holes in the game or the negatives. Honestly, he just wants to come on and talk positive pro wrestling and tell everyone what a great job everybody did. But when he watches NXT, he he doesn't see glaring issues like he sees maybe with AEW he says but the work in the ring is solid it's tight in NXT nine times out of ten it makes psychological sense the physicality is there a lot of the times you watch AEW and you know guys and gals are missing stuff it can get a little indie-rific at times whereas the NXT product is a lot more polished and the work rate is extremely tight so uh I know that shit must have ruffled feathers but uh <laughs> the sad Ruffle reality is like so essentially what Bully Ray is saying is that the wrestling is better in NXT than in AEW I mean the wrestling's definitely better in NXT than in AEW no matter who's in the ring the matches are just better in NXT Um, I mean to be completely honest with you the fucking matches are better on Smackdown and when they decide that they want to try the matches are even better on Raw so it's like AEW is in a bad spot. And that's not, and again, this is without me even saying that I dislike the product. But the problem with the other companies was never the matches anyway. 
So it's not like we come on here and complain about the matches. We don't come here and be like, man, the wrestling on Raw on on on, on SmackDown is rough. On Raw, there may not be enough of it, but honestly, when they when they have stuff on Raw, they have their top tier talent performing. So I mean, there's no point in even really talking about it because the matches are going to be good. It's Raw. You know what it takes to get on that ship. You know. So I mean, the performance of these athletes is is, is not questionable. It's uh it's unfortunate, but yeah, AEW, if I did have a ranking system, like NXT beats the fuck out of them. That goes without saying as far as the wrestling. But really, the main brands in a lot of ways do too, because it does become indie-rific the way that he put it, to a point worth desensitizing, which I've said on here before. And it doesn't mean I don't like it, but it really, I don't know what they should do. They're getting to that point. I scared them with a company where it's like, I don't really have a solution or a thing that they should do. For the first time in a long time, I watched AEW Dark. And it's finally being used for what it should have always been used. It's a show for a lot of the talent that was on Dynamite that really needs to be on Dark. But now they're fighting even lower-tier talent, so it becomes like that low-tier Dark talent versus jobbers in each match. You don't even know who most of the fucking jobbers are. None of the things that happen really mean anything. There's not really too much relevance. And then on the main card, like we said before, all the matches are really indie and have the same style. It's So I get where he's coming from, you know, where it's kind of like... Uh, the AEW is just very unbalanced. What do you think of yeah, Bully's thoughts? Definitely can't disagree with. I mean, yeah, definitely can't disagree with you there. And it's like you said, the problem we've had when it comes to stuff like Raw, it wasn't the wrestling; it was the storylines and the bullshit around that. But yeah, the wrestling never. You we really don't complain about it. Yeah, and and with AEW, that's the one unfortunate we do because they're they're just a strange. They do things a bit weird there. You know, like just the way to, there's almost yeah. no selling, man. Like it's crazy. It really does feel like a video game a lot of the times. So, uh, yeah, I can't disagree with not him. Diamond shit, shit, not. And that wasn't even him shitting on AEW. It was just really more of just critiquing it. Yeah. And it's not like it's not entertaining. They just have to find, they have to decide once and for all who they are and what they're going to do. You know, like that to right. me is, is really what's important. Like the company doesn't really have any kind of identity right now, or at least not a strong one. But, uh, yeah, if anything, uh, let's see what else we got on here. I'm just looking to make sure this is a substantial story. Someone went on to, uh, someone was talking about the possibility of Linda McMahon running for president, really? That's what I was looking at. It distracted me. For fucking president? I feel like people have brought that shit up before. Yeah, right? All things here. What do we have going on here? Levy Margolin, author of Trump Mania. He said this on Wrestling Inc., he said as long as she's willing to open her wallet, she'll be an important figure in politics, at least from a donor perspective. She could give you five, ten, fifteen, twenty million dollars, and you're happy as as a politician. But what does she want? Political aspirations have been her thing for a while, but she is a couple of elements to her that have helped her define herself outside of wrestling. One of them was small business and supporting, and at least outwardly, small business owners, and she actually did from all accounts really with the SBA. She promised to visit all of their offices. She did that. I actually found an article today where she thanked, she was thanked by the current SBA administrator sort for setting up a plan that's worked really well. The other thing was women's empowerment and leadership. And interestingly, that is a torch that Stephanie carries very much. So especially on LinkedIn, she's liking everything about women's leadership and empowerment. And they have initiatives at WW that focus on women's leadership and growth. Mom and daughter seem to be aligned in that area as well. But for Linda, both of these things might have been a thing to sort of get deeper into politics. Would she run herself again? That's an interesting question. When you have confidence to run twice already, you're more well-known now nationally. What do people think of you? That's the question. So they're saying that maybe the women's empowerment thing was used to sort of fuel 
uh, be the steam behind Linda running a presidential campaign. I don't know because they could always bring up all the weird WWE shit and the politicians will eat it right up. You know. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not really buying that. Right. All right. Anyway, let's talk about some of the stuff that's been happening in regards to our uh, COVID. Unfortunately, there have the been some. Cube. There have been some cases here that have come up, and apparently there's been frustration at the performance center. Um, because it was named one of the hotspots and that there was a strike team visiting the facility, but they were permitted to remain open. But there's frustration as far as not slowing the spread of COVID. That being said, uh, demolition member Axe apparently had COVID. Uh, he, they, they had to, Marty the Diamato on Facebook said that he's not going to be able to do a signing this upcoming Saturday. Because he got a call from uh, Bill and his oldest grandson had contacted uh, COVID last week. And now him and his wife are feeling sick with symptoms. They're sending their pray- prayers to him. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty messed up. Wow. Yeah, this shit is still running wild, man. Oh, yeah. Gotta be careful about that. Just because we have a one on the end of this year ain't changing shit. Mm-hmm. And Jericho, he said, uh, he revealed recently, he said that he tested positive as well. Uh, this was a while back, though. Like, this wasn't anything recent. I think he said, like, what, September or something like that, right? Uh, was it September? It was sometime, I want It was sometime, yeah. I believe, late last year. Yeah. He said he tested positive back. Yeah, it was September. He said he had zero symptoms and that one, and that, um, he had his 10 days in isolation. He stayed away from everyone and he didn't have a symptom. He didn't know if he had, that he had it. He went and got tested just in general. And it's one of those things where when they said he was positive, he was like, really? You serious? And he had, like, nothing. He didn't have a headache. He didn't have a cough. He uh, he said that uh, it wasn't a false positive because he took three different tests and they were all positive and now he has the antibodies. So yeah, just like uh, McIntyre was like they just had it, and nothing happened to them, you know. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that it is a. Uh, I mean, a lot of old stories though. Like this is these aren't new people testing positive here so much. It's just old people starting to tell us about their stories and their experiences. Like last week we spoke about Mick Foley. Um, and he said he recently went on on social media. He said many of you have been asking how I'm feeling about my positive COVID test. Um. All in all, not that bad, but I get fatigued very easily. My head still feels a little clousy. Please take this pandemic seriously. The daily death count is staggeringly high and climbing. So there's another account of someone uh, that's been dealing with this that, uh, yeah, we hear that there's residuals after you do that. You know, Uh, recently in an article, Kevin Nash was asked if he felt that WWE was trying to... uh, to kill Ric Flair. Did you hear about this? Because of the fact that they always have Ric Flair around. Um, yeah. And Nash replied and said, uh, saw this in a Google feed. This The story says WWE doesn't do an adequate job COVID testing. Complete bullshit. Every time I've, I'm, I'm involved, I've been quarantined in a hotel room after being tested, then brought to the arena. I was positive and sent directly to my home to quarantine. So. From Nash's perspective, they're doing everything that they are supposed to do in the performance center. You know, despite us hearing the rumors of there being frustrations with the protocol. So, you know, keep that in mind. Take it with a grain of salt when you see that kind of stuff. We don't know for certain that all of these... I mean, you would think that they're doing things positively. Uh, No pun intended there. Drew McIntyre said that... uh, He was on Wrestling Observer. He said that uh, apparently... According to Wrestling Observer, he said he tested negative a few days earlier after the previous week's tapings. So he wasn't infected on Legends Night when he was in contact with a bunch of people. And uh, 
he wasn't sure how he got it because he rarely leaves the house. So, hmm, gotta backtrack on that one and figure that shit out, though, because, you know, it's a surface uh, germ, at least to our knowledge. Man, I thought we'd be done doing these these programs that have this much illness in them at this point, you know? Uh, Michelle McCool also tested positive uh, recently. She said she's the only one in the family to test positive for the virus, and she only has mild symptoms. She said, uh, she's tweeted, she, she tweeted out, word around here seems to spread as quickly as the virus. So thank you all to have, to have checked in on me. Not trying to hide it, just been too tired to post what I thought were my allergies turned out to be a, a positive COVID test earlier this week. Not sure how, no clue how or where I caught it. Blessed to have mild symptoms. Super blessed. I'm the only one at home who has it. Super, super blessed to have a daughter who made, who made an eight inch long COVID communication telephone. I'd give everything to hug her and love her right now. Y'all stay safe and healthy. Hashtag daddy holding down the fort. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag praying grateful. So another person catching it. Like how the fuck is this thing getting around more now? Right. Right. Man. According to Fightful, they were saying that. uh, From jogging to a full fucking sprint. Yeah. According to Fightful, they were saying uh, that RH is the only company who haven't had any positive tests because EC3's positive tests came before during the pre-travel screening and uh they were just basically talking about how um ring of honor's methods are very stringent and their bubbles very strict and uh yeah so that's one of the reasons why you never hear about them with this they've been really fucking careful we'll see if it keeps up the the good nose unfortunately nyla rose also is someone who tested positive right or was she around someone who tested positive one of the uh i believe she was around somebody who tested positive right and she basically said that uh Penelope Ford will be taking her spot against Layla Hirsch uh, in the match that they're going to be having. Let's see. Does she have a statement or anything here? She was exposed to it, but she hasn't tested positive herself. So that's the story there. So, yeah, that's pretty much it as far as your weekly Coove report from us, which I take no pleasure in doing, but it is a necessity. Right. I'm so mad that that's really going to be the fucking name. (laughs) Right. It's going to stick. Did it, did it, did it, did it, weekly cool report. Well, fuck. God damn it. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about what's happening in the actual wrestling programs, right? We've got to take this in yeah. some sort of an order here. Uh, you know what, man? Because you mentioned it, you said we didn't do Final Battle. We started to do Final Battle, didn't we? Do you remember where we left off? Like, that's how far back we were? I don't even think we started to do Final Battle. No, we didn't? No, we never started it. Okay, we'll tell you what. Let's run Final Battle down really quick uh, just to bring everything up to speed. Not only Final Battle, let's just run all of the ROH up to certain speed. I'm not doing details of all the matches, but just so that we're all up to date, not everything that way. Then we'll talk about uh, the AEW, the Wednesday night, the, the, the hard to watch, all that other shit. Um, anyway, so uh, I think we spoke about the fact that EC3 Bandito and Kenny King, they were out of it because of COVID. I'm going to speed through a lot of this, but we had the Ring of Honor World Television title on YouTube in Hour 1. This was the number one contender Fatal 4-Way match, which was Dak Draper versus LSG versus Tony Deppen versus Josh Woods, with the finish being Tony Deppen. Uh, going over, Josh Woods kicking out of, uh, kicks Draper out of the ring from a knee bar, and then Flip comes from the top and hits the, hits the grounded Woods, and then Deppen then hits the recovering Flip with a roll-up. Uh, what else happened in this? This was with Jay yeah, Briscoe. Kinda, match yeah, was all over the place. I, very four, four very fast guys. Yeah, match was all over the place. 
Mm-hmm. Jay Briscoe was saying that EC3 is busy licking door handles and can't make it, and he wants. Uh, and he decided that he was going to join Mark to be part of the tag titles, but it was too late. And Mark's like, "Sorry, bro. You know, I already have my tag team partner Shane Taylor." And Jay leaves angry, which we all know leads to this uh this just ridiculous storyline that they're doing here, which I think was just for the Christmas thing, which we'll get into. Uh you get a pure rules tag team match. Well, actually, no. Uh, the the Christmas thing that's actually something they do every year because I think Mark and Jay have captained those teams every year. Have they every year? And I haven't noticed. It's possible. I feel like I remember them doing it before, but yeah, like the whole thing was uh after Jay basically gets turned down, Mark runs into Shane Taylor, who of course since um most of the six man tag matches out of the way, they opted out of just getting handed the titles. And because they are both looking for a fight, Jay and Shane decide, hey, we're going to fight tonight. So. so you get a golden team up there. Uh, after this, you get a pure rules tag team match with Freddie High and Wheeler, Utah against the foundation being Red Titus and Tracy Williams with the finish being Tracy Williams taps out Utah with the crossface. Uh, there was this interesting sequence where Tita, um, where, where Red Titus, uh, is uh, on the outside and he's trapped in like uh Yuta's dragon sleeper while Yehai has Tracy Williams in the Koji clutch on the inside. So Red Titus lifts himself out of said sleeper and then throws Yuta basically head to head on the ring apron to inadvertently break Tracy free. I thought that was very yeah, clever. Because they were they by this point they were out of uh row breaks and I love the fact that there was a moment where he started to go to break up the pin but then realized shit we are out of uh, tags and rope breaks. Yeah, so that was, so it was like the look of helplessness. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Very solid stuff. Oh, we have the Ring of Honor World Tag Team title match. The Foundation, Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham uh, defending their titles up against Mark Briscoe and PCO with the finish being Gresham with the roll up of PCO. Any thoughts in this match? Um, I mean, for them to only have been teamed for a little while, because I guess stylistically they work together. Mark and PCO make a half decent team. Yeah. But we definitely got to get the Briscoes back together. Absolutely. Uh, Ray Horace versus Dalton Castle with the finish being Ray Horace via Avalanche Tornado Driver. And uh, this might be Dalton Castle's last match, I guess. Yeah, I think this might have been his last one. Which actually, you know what? He has one on the weekly. Is one more, I believe. But yeah, oh, he's almost yeah. out the door there. Uh, tag team match, the OGK, Matt Haven, and Mike Bennett, the OG Kingdom, against the Righteous, which is Bateman and Vincent, which... Vita Von Starr with the finish being the Shining Wizard Backpack Stunner Combo. Afterwards, Vita Von Starr um, goes for a double, double low blow. Um, Vincent uh, winds up hitting the... Uh, what's the name of that movie hits? Oh, is, yeah, is it Orange Sunshine? Yeah, Orange uh, Sunshine. Right. Um... The heels have a zip tie here, which is which is funny because like we always hear recently zip ties have come into politics. Uh, so, yeah, people have asked who uses a zip tie. Uh, apparently heels. heels Vincent use, does. Heels use zip ties. Uh, Taven hitting that crazy frog splash on the outside. Really solid looking move. Overall, they always like about Taven. I love his frog splash. So then we have Dan Housen against Brian Johnson. With Dan Housen going over and earning a Ring of Honor contract, what is what this Dan Housen? Um, very interesting. What? <laughs> yeah, very odd character. He 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 makes me laugh. I'm interested in him, but yeah, he's an interesting one. I know he sells El Generico merchandise. I think we talked about that on here. He's doing I think for uh some sort of was it, it might have been for the Brody Lee thing, right? Where El Generico merchandise was there, or he was yeah. doing something with with El Generico stuff. Yeah, I like that he kind of uh. <laughs> 
he basically got this win by DQ, but he did it very creatively because he took it a step further from a regular Eddie finish. He not only mimicked the sound of uh, him getting hit with a mic, he rubbed the face paint on the tip of the mic. Yeah. <laughs> so the top of the... <laughs> He's like a DC Comics character. White, you know? And he just goes... <laughs> he does an Eddie Guerrero self-bump, you know? But he takes it a step further, and I think that's why I like him. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Well, here's the contract now. So you get the Ring of Honor World Television title. It's being Dragon Lee defending against Tony Depp and finish being Lee goes over with the running knee strike. It's called the Incineration, I believe. Uh, yep, that is correct. This is my favorite matchup to this point. Best wrestling on the card. Ironically, two guys who I didn't really care about. Dragon Lee, Tony Depp, and they're putting on the best show here. You know? Yeah, dudes absolutely knocked it out. They were probably, they were match of the night. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Oh, you get a singles match. This is Jay Briscoe being accompanied by Mark Briscoe against Shane Taylor, who's there with Jasper Khan and Moses Maddox, with the finish being, uh, it was, uh, Marcus Garvey driver, uh, with the welcome to the land finish. Like this yep. was the combo that they did. And then afterwards, Marks comes out to show love, but Jay really didn't accept it, which is funny because again, it was Jay's obsession with EC3 that made him leave the tag team. Uh, wasn't Mark's fault. Yeah, it seems like they'll. Still a little brotherly spat as usual. Those two want to getting over it. I love the one. Um, probably my favorite thing that happened in the whole match. And it killed me. I think uh, Shane. Because first of all, they beat the shit out of each other in this match. But I think Shane hit uh, Jay with a hard right, and all you hear is Caprice Coleman on commentary. Oh my god! Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. man, fucking Caprice Coleman is wonderful on commentary. Mm-hmm. He's so animated. I love it. Ring of Honor pure title. Jonathan Gresham defending against Flip Gordon. Finish being Gresham with an avalanche hammerlock suplex, and then afterwards Gresham comes off the ropes with a run with running forearms. Um, till he basically KOs him to death. Pretty much put him down. Just kept hitting him until he was no longer conscious. Which is kind of interesting that John Gresham ironically pulls off something that um uh, his tag team partner did, but he was actually successful in defending two titles in the same night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very solid stuff. Which of course Jay Lethal attempted that with the with the TV and ROH World titles, but he was unsuccessful with both. But he um he wanted to retain his ROH World title. Mm-hmm. What speaking of ROH World title, on the line Roosh champion defending against Brody King. Uh, with Roosh going over defending his title here, Roosh's dad shows up. He steals chair shot on Brody King. Uh, Roosh hits that eyes wide shut basement corner drop kick, I want to call it. Nasty fucking move. You know, you got the foundation guys interfering at the top of the ramp. Um, oh, it's, I think it's called uh, the Bulls Horns, I believe. Okay, yeah, that's you're right. That is what yeah. it's called. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, overall it was it was good. You know, the guy's a good champion, I guess. Um, it's funny that somebody as big as Brody King's fighting him, you know? Yeah. But then again, whatever it is with, with Brody, Brody moves better than his shape would would give you the impression that he does. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. Like, like, like Big Man was moving in there. Like, mm-hmm. But yeah, this but was, was a, I felt like it was a filler, though. I told you before, I wasn't interested in Final Battle the way I have been other things, you know? Yeah, it just, it, it felt different this year. It didn't feel like the Final Battle we usually seen. Yeah. No, like, there's like an no. aura that usually comes with Final Battle, and it wasn't there this year. Yeah, absolutely. 
But we followed it. And now we're going to go through the weeklies really quick. I'm not going to cover all these in detail. We're going back starting with December 18th. There's two matches per night. I will tell you, Dalton Castle versus Brian Johnson finished being bangerang, one arm bangerang because he was injured throughout the match. Um, Johnson calls himself the Mecca, which is kind of funny because it makes me think of Meet Sean Stasiak when he was in WCW. He had Mecca written on the back of his pants. Oh my and God. At one point I can't he said that he didn't even that. know what it, what it means. Um, and he talks about having a mechade of excellence. You better hope that doesn't stick. Thanks to that motherfucker, we doing in promos. Mecca, Mecca, high, Mecca, high, high, high. Oh no, you didn't go there. <laughs> Red Titus versus Delirious. Finish being Red Titus counters Cobra Clutch into a drop kick for the finish. Right, right. You see, a drop kick you see Delirious match. still going after all these years. Yeah, speaking his language and shit. Uh, December twenty fifth, you got Ken Dixon versus Eric Martin. No, Ken Dixon and Eric Martin versus uh, Dante Caballero and Joe Keys with the finish being a high angle crab spear combo uh on caballero they really don't know too much about these guys everyone in here worked okay though you know yeah good workers yeah then you get your christmas 10-man tag match jay briscoe flip gordon brawler malonis john walters pco against mark briscoe beer city bruiser dak draper tracy williams dalton castle which is to explain how these teams came together at two points during this episode Mark and Jay both opened presents with names in them. And each present was a team member. Now, so it was a uh-huh. interesting way to go about that. Very, very interesting. Now, that being said, the finish with PCO goes over, I believe, Dak Draper with that PCO salt he does. Yeah, PCO's moonsault. Yeah. Now, what made this especially interesting is that underneath each person's entrance when they come out, it had their Christmas list for every person. And, uh, so Jay Briscoe, when he comes out as the first guy, his Christmas list consisted of a weed eater string, refill for propane tank, and new socks and drawers. That's some country boy shit right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Flip Gordon's Christmas list was a Christmas bonus with dollar signs written at the end of it. My world title shot, in quotes, no more masks. And a typewriter. So this was Flip Gordon's Christmas list as he comes down the ramp for the 10 man. Brawler Milonis. His Christmas list consists of beer. Spoiler alert there, right? Red wine. A date session. Which, why would you have the red wine? I guess he's trying to keep it classy. A date session with Moth Martina. Um, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship shot. And milk and cookies. John Walters. Christmas list. Just had Ring of Honor pure title going straight down the list when he came down the ramp. It was just orange pure title, orange pure title, orange pure title going straight down the list. That's all he wants. No other interest from that man. PCO. His Christmas list as he comes down the ramp consisted of an optimum power jumper cables and extreme power car battery. A funerary stone, a new casket, and a gallon of gas. All right. Man has a vision. Don't know what it is, but good luck with that. Mark Briscoe's Christmas list consisted of a jetpack, a 50 caliber rifle, you shoot your eye out, your eye out Mark, uh, an invisibility cloak, new underwear and socks, just like his brother Jay, and a monkey. <laughs> that was just the most the, odd way of the, the world. The Christmas list coming down the ramp were more entertaining than the 10-man tag itself. <laughs> so the Beer City Bruiser makes his way down the ramp and he wants beer. 
just like his partner did. But he has it on there twice. He didn't have red wine as number two. He had beer also as number two. Cigars, more beer as number four. And also a monkey. Interesting that Mark Briscoe and Beer City Bruiser both have that <laughs> monkey wish. Right? Yeah, How fuck did that happen? Beer, cigars, no fucking monkey. It's weird. That's just like very, very strange. Very, very weird. Uh, so Dak Draper comes down the ramp. And he, for Christmas, wants a tanning bed for his home. He specifically says, a tanning bed for my home. 16-ounce ribeye, medium rare. Uh, and a competent quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Wow. Damn. Damn. To me, that should he should have won last because this whole list would have been worth it if the punchline to the final thing would have been <laughs> that the last person wants a competent quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Like that to me, that makes the whole list worth it right there. <laughs> That's a great finale. Oh man. So next up, hot sauce Tracy Williams. For Christmas, he wants honor to be restored to Ring of Honor. A lifetime supply of plain black wrist tape, laser eyes, and in parentheses, he emphasizes surgery to make my eyes shoot lasers. (laughs) Okay. I don't know where that's going to be legal, but sure. Dalton Castle. His Christmas list as he comes down the ramp consists of a small shelf for organizing my rare and expensive elixirs, a new Davenport, and a handsome pair of boots. Good for dancing. So, now as far as the match, for Christmas, I got to see two fat guys collide in a crossbody. That was worth it. Yeah, you don't see that very often. You know, and of course, you get PCO with that crazy ass moves. So I don't, it's weird. The gravity on that thing is unusual. Right, the you way know? he moves on it scares me a little bit. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. It was interesting. It was a fun 10 man, everything. We told you guys to finish and stuff. But, uh, that pretty much ends the year of Ring of Honor. Look how we brought you up to speed there. I promised. I always keep promises with that kind of stuff. I know we have to drop off because of all the other wrestling. But that brings us up to speed. Aside from the Ring of Honor, uh, January 8th, which was the best of 2020, which they, it was basically, they touched base on a few things. The Battle Royal that had, uh, Blue Meanie and Gangrel in it. Is one of the things that they show. I didn't know that they did that because I wasn't watching during that. But yeah, there was Blue Meaning Gang around this big battle royal that they had. They had a four way title match, which was one of their top best of 2020 matches. It was the one with PCO, Rouge, and, uh, I mean, sorry, three way when Mark, Mark Haskins, I believe, were the three guys doing it. Uh, and then the other match was, which we already covered on here, was Tracy Williams versus Jonathan Gresham from the Puro Tournament. So, uh, that brings us up to speed on that. So, what comes next? It will be the New Year's Smash Night 2. Yep, that is correct. All right. New Year's Smash Night 2 AEW Dynamite. Pac versus Eddie Kingston with the finish being Pac going over with the Black Arrow. And then afterwards, um, he goes for the Brutalizer. And then this leads the Butcher and the Blade, Lucha Bros, Lance Archer. Everybody comes running out there. Um, Lance Archer, by the way, looks way better without the hair. I'm glad that he got rid of all that dirty looking hair and I just look like a regular guy. Um, it's weird because he gets out there and then it's like almost an unprovoked moment between him and Pac where he looks at Pac and he's like, you better get it together, Pac. We better get on the same page. And it's like, but nothing happened though. There was nothing that made you off the page when you go to the running just now. What was the miscommunication? Did I miss it? Because I didn't get it. Did you? Yeah. I, I wasn't quite sure. I was like, yeah. It's like they just want an excuse for these guys to feud is what it seems like, you know, more than anything. Anyway, Chuck Taylor has a match against Miro with the finish being the accolade. Chuck Taylor now has to be Miro's young boy, as we predicted on here. Um, I couldn't think of a more lazy, uneventful, shitty match, to be honest with you. Like, it felt like they phoned this entire match in. It was just garbage. No, nothing. This was a shit match. 
you know, it didn't last very long. It wasn't suspenseful. It was very TV match oriented. Uh, one of the worst matches I've seen on here. It was almost nothing to it. It was just an excuse to get to the angle. You know, I didn't like that at all. Uh, Matt Hardy's having a backstage interview where he talks about how 30% of the money that he's going to be taking from uh, from a uh, private party and they're complaining about it. And apparently the third party platforms were in the fine print. And now that teaches them to look at the fine print and he taught them a lesson. And now private party are calling him money grubbing. Another horrible idea, the storyline with Matt Hardy. But here we are off to the races with just more bad booking. Well, this is actually because I alluded to sounding like this was um, Matt referring to an old experience he and Jeff had earlier in their careers. That's another piece of it right there. Yeah, you did mention that they had a manager who fucked them yeah. over. So now they're just recreating that. You said that last week. So I guess that's what yeah. they're going for. It's keeping it because I remember there was something along the line that there was some kind of a clause that was thrown into it that they didn't know. But the only difference is they didn't figure it out until God, months later. Right. Inner Circle's New Year's resolutions are now for full play. They come out there and first Hager, who's the most comedic of all, he just goes, championships, yeah. I got to tell you, <laughs> as much as AEW doesn't entertain me, the Inner Circle, maybe it's my age my age demographic, the Inner Circle stuff seems like it's, it's directed towards my age demographic, you know? But uh, I always pop for this stuff. It always makes me laugh. Um MJF's uh, New Year's resolution is he wants stronger bonds with the Inner Circle members and fat people got to go. Um, which one of it is Santana or Ortiz? Uh, which to me, that was one of the best ones. He wants to perfect his grandmother's sofrito recipe. That was that was Ortiz. That was Ortiz. And he wants to throw okay, down some arroz con andules. And Jericho's like, yes, yeah, sofrito. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Jericho wants to win the AEW Tag Championships, but unfortunately Santana and Ortiz have an issue with it because uh, they were brought onto the Inner Circle to be the Tag Team Champions. But then Sammy calls Jericho a Tag Team slut, and then everybody's all riled up killed me. because he says he's been tag teaming I with everyone, that at one point they were the sexy gods or whatever the fuck they were, and then at one point it was yeah, him and Hager, and like now he's mad because Jericho's a Tag Team slut apparently, and like... MJF tries to interfere and to say that the guy's just trying to do his job and it is uncalled for to call him that. And eventually Jericho stops everything and he's like, next week we're going to have a three-way match to decide who's going to be the official tag team of the Inner Circle. And uh, I don't know, they all argue over who the team is going to be. And basically all Hager has to say once again is, yeah, championships while all this shit is going on. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, basically. And and then, so the funny thing is that uh, freaking Sammy, uh, Sammy Guevara and, and Hager... He's like, we're going to be the champion. Sammy, Sammy, Sammy and Hager. And like Jericho looks at him and he goes, Sammy Hager. He's like, that's funny. And like uh, Sammy goes, why? And like Jericho looks at him and he's like, never mind. And like they just move on. The funny thing about that moment was when he looked at him, he's like, oh, that's funny. Sammy Hager. Sammy Hager is the former, uh, former Van Halen vocalist. And ironically, he's also yeah. part of a band called The Circle. So when he said Sammy Hager, that's why Jericho <laughs> looked at him. He was like, Sammy Hager, that's funny. And fucking Sammy didn't get it. <laughs> you know what the bad part about it is? I'm going to tell you because I've been in that situation before. Because Jericho's such a music guy, the joke instantly clicked for him. You could tell in that moment he forgot Sammy was not a music guy like he was. Yeah. And he tried to pop up with the joke. He was like, shit. It was all great, that's though, moment, man. That's the moment when you make that choice just to not even bother to describe why it's funny because that'll ruin the whole bit. It's just so funny. He looks at me and goes, Sammy Hager. That's funny. He's thinking Van Halen. 
in the circle and then just looks at Sammy's like, why? <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, basically, oh uh, this coming Wednesday, there's going to be a three-way uh, tag team match. The winning team will uh, basically go on to try to contend with the tag titles. As much as I wanted to be Santana and Ortiz, it's like the Sammy Hager thing almost hooked me. Right. <laughs> Wait, that shit. Yo, just for the gag, right? Like, Sammy Hager. The circle. Oh. <laughs> See, how do you hate that guy just because he donates shit to Trump? No, I, I legit, I ran that back. I legit, uh, I rewinded the whole segment I enjoyed. I was like, you know, let's run that shit again. Shit like, everything was so funny. funny. And fucking Hager championships. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, where was this funny when he was in WWE? Yeah, they never use them that way, you know. But I just love when Sammy's like, you know what? You're a, you're a tag team whore. You're a tag I'm, team I'm slut. You, I'm <laughs> telling you, fucking Hager won me over the second he did that flim flame challenge, and he did the fucking dad clap before his shit. I love oh, that they were all just. Like, I love that they were just like, whoa, that is messed up. Like if he called like like a girl a slut, like whoa, that is messed up. That's not cool. No, 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 like damn. <laughs> oh my god. Kenny Omega is backstage with Don Callis and the Bucks. Getting ready for his match. They introduce him. This time, he is considered a hero by many, including in North, North Carolina. Carolina. <laughs> it never stops being funny. And they really fuck everyone here because backstage, Don Callis is there with the box with Nick and Matt and with Kenny. And he's like, man, look at this. He's here with his old best friend. This is great. But it's a swerve because when Don Callis comes out to announce them, he's like Kenny Omega and his best friends, the Good Brothers. And instead of the Young Bucks, the fucking Good Brothers come out and poor Tony Khan and Young Bucks are backstage and they're looking like, wow, like they fucked us right at the end. Like they're not even going to be in the match. And Khan's like, yeah, predictable, you know, very predictable. So it becomes Omega and the Good Brothers who just literally stand in and it's against Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman and other dude. Anyway, then the magic killer on other dude is the end of this. I told you I was going to call him other dude. Yo, um, this is a shoot, people. Like, when he messaged me about this shit, that's literally exactly what he said he was going to say. Who was the other dude? His name is Danny Limelight. Yeah, gotcha. Other dude. Anyway, afterwards, that's Moxley. Like a, that's like a Billy Idol backup singer, doesn't he? Danny Limelight. He, he was just there to take the magic killer. But then afterwards, Moxley winds up attacking Omega. But he gets jumped by Omega and the Good Brothers. Ray Phoenix and Penta come out. Then the Young Bucks are calming down Moxley. And then Penta and Phoenix super kick the Bucks. And then there's a pull apart with the Bucks and the Lucha Bros. Or Moxley and Omega. And all the King's Horses and all the King's Men sequence. Uh, next we have the Britt Baker show. Uh, that they do this sort of like Ellen. I guess the waiting room. Yeah. And uh. She actually literally goes to check under your seats and then she's like, nah, I'm just kidding. There's nothing there. <laughs> Which I thought that was great. Me. <laughs> Yo, she's so fun as a heel. Uh, Cody comes out. Uh, he's part He's a guest there. Which, by the way, last week we didn't talk about the fact that Cody's now using like a Snoop Dogg version of uh, his music, which that's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, hey, mix it up a little bit. The surprise guest is Jade Cargill, who he basically is bitching out Cody until red velvet comes and then she gets there and then there's another pull apart and this is what i mean about this company there's again i hate to be critical but you just ended the last segment with a pull apart with the bucks and the lucha bros and moxley and omega and now we did a fucking talk show and it ends in a pull apart you know what i mean like that's the problem and that without people even if people on a subconscious level don't realize it that's the shit that's going to make them flip over to nxt like that happened twice now in their minds even if they don't acknowledge it two times now something ended that started like fun as a fucking pull apart 
And then suddenly, and then also, I hate to bring this up, but the production in AEW, and I'm not trying to be a snob here, but sometimes their production is so tight that I almost don't know what the fuck is going on. You know, and I'm like, did I miss something? Just to give you an example, right? The Thunder Rosa thing that happens here. I'm going to I'm gonna throw it up on the screen for a minute, and I'm only doing it so that you guys could get an example. Tell me if this is just me, okay, with the way that they decided to shoot this. Because it felt like there's a missing piece here or something. Okay, hold on a sec. I'm trying to get close, to, about close to where we are. I'm good. I'm good. Boss up. Okay. So, right, this is the pull apart, oh, right? Yeah. Don't tell is me that right? And now there's Britt. And I, you see what I mean there? This is from last week, obviously. But did you see that edit? Let's go back a little it bit. It was so it's, quick. it's ending the pull apart, right? But watch this. The shitty editing doesn't end here. So we're doing the pull apart, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't tell is me that right? Just out of nowhere. It's just going to this. There was no fucking room. And now Britt's Brit's watching it. Right? You don't belong here. She's laughing. Better myself. Oh, oh. 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 She's so pretty. Oh. Oh. Look at her. She looks way better. Hi, amiga. Britt. Don't know anything. It was like a weird transition into all of that. You know what I mean? Like there was no part where Britt was like, let's look up at the screen at what I did last week or anything. Like one minute there was a pull apart, and then like the next fucking minute that that was just on the screen and we just went straight into this. You know? Yeah, I'm right there with you. You gotta get into that like a little smoother. You can't just click over. It's weird. It's just really weird. And then obviously, yeah, they make the match or whatever, uh, which I thought yeah, that for, was cool uh, for beach for beach break. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. gonna be Thunder Rose and Britt Baker. Yeah, it was just weird. I when I looked, I was like, "What the fuck happened there?" Like it was just some really weird. Then that hard cut to Thunder Rose on the screen. That's a real, very weird edit. Um, Jungle Boy shows up and he's using his new music that oh, which by the way we already talked about. Tony Khan bought that 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 music belongs to them now. So Jungle Boy yeah. for wherever, no matter what, be able to have that song, which is funny because that song was very fucking common before this, but it's theirs now. So I guess fine if you want to do that. You know, this guy just buys songs when he needs them. Good for him. Uh use that money, Tony. FTR goes over with the big rig on Marco Stunt. Uh, Serena Deeb goes over Tay Conti. Uh, we have Darby versus Brian Cage. To finish being Darby comes off the top rope with an avalanche crucifix pin. Which uh, is actually uh, interesting, a little bit of storytelling, the fact that he went for that rather than a coffin drop. Because uh, one of the things that kickstarted this whole thing between Taz and Darby was Taz basically giving Darby shit for when he, uh, when he, when he um, went over Cody, he didn't hook the crucifix. Yeah. So it was interesting that he picked the he picked up an Avalanche Crucifix and made sure to hook it. So it shows not all it shows a level of adaptiveness to Darby that he remembers that. Yeah. That being said, these guys need to chill out. I get that Darby's one of those guys that's a young guy that's a bump machine, but their shit they do that's just too risky. Look at this bump here. I'm gonna bring this bump up on the screen so you guys can see what I'm fucking talking about. Now I have a little bit of Darby Allen. You see what I'm saying? So, this is one thing I don't know if I ever brought it before, but a personal friend of mine that actually trained with uh, Darby. I asked him about this. It was actually when I went over to win to that wedding in Kentucky. Darby is one of these wrestlers. He has weirdly made peace with the fact that the way he wrestles, he might not be here for a long time, but he's made it a point that you're going to remember every second that he's here. 
like you, he is beyond fearless. But they, like, but like, it doesn't have to be that way. Someone needs to save him from himself. And like it, the, the brutality was the whole story of this match. Because then look at this here. And how long have we been waiting like, for this? This was match? fucking crazy. Darby Allen's first title defense. Watch what he does here. That he's had with Team wow. Taz, and it's our main event here. Oh, but can, can Darby survive this? No, he can't. Oh, let's go. Jesus Christ, dude. Slam dunks. You see what I mean? Like, everything's way over the top for a guy that small. You know? Yeah, Darby has a freakish pain tolerance. Like, the stuff he will allow to be done with him is nuts. Like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an aspect of his character that I feel that it's like a work and a shoot all at the same time because it's like you damn near have to kill him. He'll let you get pretty fucking close. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And then this, this of course, to top things off here, uh, the exclamation point on everything. No, don't do this. Darby firing some elbows. This is with the steel oh, steps. Okay. Oh, hang on there. Oh, boy, Cage is like hanging this. on. I don't like he bites Cage's fingers so he falls on the steps. It was fine first over steel steps. And then he coughs and drops to the outside on those steps. See what I mean? I haven't seen that in a long time, but yeah, like. Fucking crazy. Dar- Darby's philosophy has always seemed to be like, if I get back up, we're good. <laughs> He's probably laying there right now, like, all right, everything's moving, everything's work, breathing, cool, let's do it. Like, it's he he scares me to watch sometimes. So Sting actually shows up and hits Ricky Starks with a bat. This is the first action. <laughs> this is the first action of the Stinger that we actually get to see, right? Yeah, first time he gets physical. Like, wow. What do you think? They're going to give it to you in little portions, right? I don't mind it. It kind of it gave a little bit of a build because, I mean, the last, what, two, three times I've seen him, I wondered, okay, when's he going to get physical? What's going to happen that's going to take to where he gets physical? No, Ricky gets right up in his face, and it's like, all right, showtime. Yeah, I guess. And, I mean, and, I mean it works better for him, too. Let him, let him kind of take his time, kind of feel things out, work his way into it. They've said before, when it comes to him getting physical with people, they're going to do things to accommodate for his age and the condition that his body's in. So, Well, time's definitely not one of those things that's on his side. And Darby gets busted open during this match, right? Yeah, Darby got opened up. Yeah, but of course. Uh, overall, it was good. But yeah, you get you get your Sting cameo, which, again, I don't really know exactly what more they can do with the guy. Yeah, there's really too much you can do with him, but hey, work with what you got. Yeah. Let me see if I could get up on the screen here. The uh, yeah, here you go. So this was the sting. It's sting moment of the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, 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 sting, Tony. Yeah, it is sting. What a weapon! Well, that's what happened in regards to that part. All right. Well, and that's pretty much it. Was that all of AEW? That was AEW. That was AEW. That brings us to NXT. Uh. We start out with Shotzi versus Candice with the finish being Miss Candice's Wild Ride, which they don't call it here, but that's the name of it. Avalanche swinging neckbreaker uh, to go over. Finn Balor. Very, very good match between these two. Yeah, very solid. Very good, solid stuff here. Finn Balor um, wears now a Target shirt, I guess, because he's a Target. Pete Dunne comes out with Larkin and Birch to jump Finn because they're not going to wait in line for a title shot. And then Kyle O'Reilly comes to help save Finn. Roderick Strong and Adam Cole come, and they come to uh, do a run-in as well. And then the Undisputed Era and Balor sort of have this awkward stare-down after they clear the ring of the heels. Uh, 
You have Loomis who's drawing Gargano and Austin Theory in less than appealing ways, like with their little stupid, uh, I don't know, it just makes silly drawings of them sort of stalking them and stuff. Which, of course, another thing, breaking into it briefly, Cornette saying that Gargano has no personality to just be a coach. Come on, Jim. Come on. Stop it. But, no, like, I, I like this heel Gargano. He's been very fun watching him. So Yeah. Uh, Gargano versus Lo- Loomis, where Gargano goes over with an Austin Theory assist, and then afterwards Loomis creeps up and catches Austin Theory with silence, and then Gargano winds up saving him with a chair. Uh, Kushida comes in and he won he with with a save and he wants the uh, North American Championship. Yeah, it looks like we're heading towards a uh, Kushida and Gargano probably at the next takeover. Could be interesting. Could be interesting. That'd be a hell of a fight. Uh, Barrett has a sit down interview with Champa and Gargano. I mean, I'm sorry, Champa and Thatcher. Where basically, uh, he talks about how he was just trying to teach people and like you know he just trying you know he didn't want to deal with the uh, Champa thing. I forget even yeah. what the hell point of this whole interview was. Like, what was the point they were going to another match? Yeah, I'm not sure, but it looks like uh, they did announce a little bit tonight. We are getting the fight pit match this one this Wednesday. So that match we were supposed to get, we're going to be getting it this coming Wednesday. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Jake Atlas and Isaiah Swerve Scott have a match against the Rascals, now renamed MSK. Yep. Uh, MSK going over with a spinebuster blockbuster combo on Swerve Scott. Uh, later, Jake Atlas and Swerve Scott uh, sort of have another pull apart here. They're nose to nose uh, with a uh, what's his name? What's the heavy British guy? Oh my god! Let me see. Uh, with the new music. The oh, you talking about Killian Dane? Yeah, Killian Dane yeah. out there with that. You know what it was? It threw me off when you said British. If you said no, no, wait, wait, not Killian Dane. Killian Dane's tag teaming with fucking uh, Drake Maverick. I forgot the guy's name. Like, I'm trying. To... Mm. You don't know any heavy British-sounding guys in there that got new music recently. Oh, shit. I'm trying to remember the one, because I might have stepped away when this shit happened. And we talked about him last week. Damn, his name's on the tip of my tongue. It's just that it's really late. Yeah, right. Like I feel like I'm trying... Oh, man. It's going to hit me later. Watch. That is crazy. All right. I guess nobody knows what I'm talking about. We literally played him on the screen showing how cool his interest was now. He was walking in, and that is nuts. Something tells me you got into Matt Riddle's stash there. If if that much didn't give you a reminder. Oh God, I don't know why I can't remember who it was. All right, fair enough. Zion. This was a good match. I mean, good showing by um, MSK in their first match out. I feel like they could use the Dusty Classic to like Bronson really... Reed. There we go. I just remembered Bronson Reed. I don't know why his name. You know what was... it was? Because you said British. If you he's a Australian fucking British guy, he's Australian. Whatever. The foreign guy with the new music, Bronson Reed. <laughs> He's the one who they have the nose to nose with. <laughs> I don't know why his name was fucking flaking on me, but yeah, that guy. Anyway, Zia Lee, um, she has a bow staff this time for her intro. I'm not sure if I like it better or worse with the fucking bow staff. Um, I feel like just the weapon thing is a little too much for me. Yeah, and without it is too much. That intro just needs to be scrapped. Um, yeah. she hits some jobber with a spinning right hand and then a jumping roundhouse kick, and then afterwards Zia Lee locks locks her onto the bottom rope from the ringside and then kicks the shit out of her. Um, via signal from that demon dude that's sitting on the throne. Right, like I need to know who this is because he just sits there looking menacing and shit. Orochimoto, that's who it is. <sighs> he read my fucking mind, get out of my head. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Adam Cole and Roderick Strong have their match against Brazango with the finish being Adam Cole super kicking Fandango out of the air. Only Lorcan and Danny Burch and Pete Dunn beat the hell out of Kyle O'Reilly, who's at ringside. 
and they're about to destroy him when Finn Balor comes and gets to run him, but he still gets taken out. And then Pete Dunn rocks Kyle's jaw, punching him and then hitting him with a running knee. Looks that like is not Tajiri. Please stop. Yeah. That look kind of. That is not Tajiri. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say it like that? <laughs> you don't remember? That was a callback, man. That was back when he was tag teaming with Jamie Noble. Oh, yes. I remember. Oh, God. You know what? I remember the feud. I didn't remember them tagging. Holy shit. Tajiri. Tajiri. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 205 Live has almost no viewers. So, this week, they repurposed it to be the continuation of NXT. So, believe it or not, the next two matches are 205 Live. They didn't show them. But it was literally, you can tell these happened right there. Which I'm just going to run results. I don't want to talk too much about the matches. But it was Legado del Fantasma against the Bollywood Boys. With Legado del Fantasma going over. And then Drake Maverick and Killian Dane against August Gray and Kurt Stallion. With uh, Dane essentially powerbombing Maverick onto them for the win. So uh, just keep in mind guys. I mentioned this last week. But this week also. This uh, this Dusty this Dusty Rose tournament extends into 205 Live. And it's not like 205 Live matches. It's just NXT. It's just more NXT. So anyway, that's so that's it for that report. Now that being said, AEW brought in seven hundred sixty-two thousand viewers, uh, with a point thirty in the eighteen to forty-nine demographic versus NXT's five hundred fifty-one thousand viewers with a point fourteen in the same demographic. Pretty much half, less than half. Last week. It was 662,000 with the point twenty five against 641,000 with the point sixteen. There was a closer in the numbers, just as far in the demographic, or actually a little bit closer in the demographic. This time, the NXT numbers have dropped and AEW has risen again. Regardless of what you feel about the companies and the wrestling style, it's clear that there is a demand for what AEW is offering over what NXT has. Might be because of the oversaturation of the product. Not sure. But we clearly see where we stand here. Oh, yeah. All right, so what does this bring us to? I guess this brings us. Do we want to cover? I guess we want to cover the Impact Wrestling hard to watch. Uh, yeah, we're, we're we're gonna get through it. We're gonna get through it as a group, David. I'm not covering anything that doesn't pertain to the AEW stuff. It's up to you if you want to talk about stuff. Um, let me see. There is one thing that we when it when because yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, I mean, re- really, the only significant things that came out of this. The barbed wire massacre match was weird. At one point, freaking Sammy Callahan came out with a barbed wire covered Nintendo 64 controller. That was different. But uh, yeah, Eddie went over to Boston Knee Party and Emerald uh, Emerald Frozen. I believe a uh, shout out to one of his old one of his old peoples. Yeah, um, seen that move in a while. Yeah. So <laughs> the fucking Karate Man versus Ethan Page match. I can't even call it a match because. These guys decided on national pay-per-view, we are going to have Crouching Tiger Shitty Dragon. Did you see this shit? I did not. I have to say that I I only, I fast-forwarded to what was relevant. I caught on the man and I fast-forwarded to what was relevant because I had no interest. The company does nothing for me. Um, So... Full disclosure, um, this was uh But hold on, because there was a there was a clip here. I don't know and I have no yeah. idea what I'm gonna be looking at. But I, I oh, will before, but, but before you uh forget, I just okay, said this I'll, was I'll pause it. Yeah. This was Ethan Page's last match in Impact. 
Now, on his Reddit, there was a statement that he wrote. I wound up uh, grabbing a shot of it. Yeah, I'm going to read that out after this shit. Watch what the fuck they did. I have that statement too, but yeah, help yourself. So let me see. I don't know if, if this is it or what this is, but uh, is this the actual thing that we're looking at here? Oh, this is it? Yeah. This is what they did for his last match. You picked a place. You picked the time. Well, Karate Man, are we going to do this or what? Ethan Page. You are weak. You are stupid. And you are ugly. Yes. The Kumite is now. And this is what entertains Impact fans. What the fuck? Karate Man. Is this all you got? Is this real? Uh, yes, yeah, this shit the happened. Day is the day you die. Uh, 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 had better production. Impressive, you mother. Good oh, God. God! It got worse as it went along. But the is there any other part of Toronto? Because I mean, we have the whole thing up here. If you got the whole thing, fuck it. It was only like a few minutes long. I don't want to watch the whole thing. What I'm saying is, oh, no. part I should go to of the whole thing, like the finish. I mean, is there a good go finish to, to how the it ended? Yeah, I do want to go to how it ended. Actually, yeah, if I could, if I could I... find the fucking thing. Hold on. This is one of the last matches. This was like near the top. This was like near the end of the card. Let me see if I could find it. Oh Lord. I'm looking. Oh my god! It <sighs> must have been really short. I legitimately don't fucking see it. It really was. It didn't even break five minutes. That might be a blessing. Yeah, I don't know when did it take place in the card. Oh, let me see if I got. Is that. this it? Let me see. Yeah, I found it. Impressive. Can we just get past all this shit? Oh, that was harder than I thought. Catch up the fight scenes. It's fucking great. I say that's sarcastic as all do. Oh. The Karate Man has died a thousand deaths. What the fuck is going but on? Never perish. Impact Wrestling prepared. No. No way, dude. Now. That's that's how shit looks. Wait till we get to the fight. Oh, bro. He did the Wu Kang bicycle kick. It literally looks like they fucking used the same technology as Mortal Kombat 1 to make this possible. No, they did not go for fatality. Yes, George, we play the war segment because they made people. So the other guy died? That's how they got rid of him? They killed off Ethan Page with his old beginning. That motherfucker had death by Kumite on pay per view. Holy shit! You ever thought that Remind you'd be? You I can't AEW believe that. Was doing business with this shit. It doesn't do anything for them though. That's the only reason I don't complain about it. They're so out of touch that they don't even realize that all they're gonna do is have people run to AEW. No one's gonna watch. I'm gonna get into it more when we get to that match. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get into it more when we get to that match because uh, 
they're they're a very funny company. But I mean, why does this surprise me? This is, I mean, you know, it shouldn't because this is the same company that when AJ Styles was getting ready to leave, instead of giving him an honorable send off, thanking him for his time, they had the whole locker room pin hit their finishers on him and then get pinned by Magnus. Yeah, and then did the same this day. All right. Well, I want to get out of here soon. So let's, let's talk about. Let me see what else uh, happened here that I cared about. All right. So I watched. Uh, before we even get into that, because this is kind of important. Before we get into anything, there was stuff that happened on Impact that was relevant, which I do want to bring up. So Kenny Omega, there was a brawl on Impact. Is this correct? That leads into the uh, Hard to yeah. Kill. Okay. So let's have a look at this and see what we got here. That's how you do it. Yeah. We just got to do the same thing. Hard to kill is all us, man. Just whip it's their asses, us. man. I can't. Of course. Just to keep the heat going. as many times as they've taken that same ass whoop and they start watching the door and shit. Yep, nope, they're just used to the ass whoop and they just embrace it. <laughs> that is their plan. Like you only get me with that shit once before I'm door checking. So, there are changes to the Impact Wrestling roster because D'Lo Brown and Matt Stryker are now the official new commentary team permanently for all things Impact. Yeah. Uh, this comes because Madison Rain has retired from her position. And in the pre-show, I believe, they bring this up and she announces her retirement, which we're going to bring here and share in the chat. Madison Rain, you have a very special announcement. The floor is yours. I do. I want to take this time to address some speculation because it should come from me and no one else. But first, I want to acknowledge how proud I am to have had a career at Impact Wrestling that has spanned three separate decades. I've seen places in the world I never even knew before Impact Wrestling took me there. And it is with a full and grateful heart that after 12 years, I announce my official retirement from Impact Wrestling. It is time for me, the wrestler Madison Rain, to go home now and be a wife and be a mom and move on with my life. But I am leaving this division in the best possible hands, and I cannot wait to see what Kiera Hogan and Tasha Steeles and Deanna Perrazzo and Jordan Grace all bring to this division. Well, on behalf of wrestling fans on, uh, all over the world, we wish you the best in retirement. All right, well, Madison Rain, great talent, too. One of my favorites. Yeah, one of the done. OGs of the knockouts. Mm-hmm. Josh Matthews, no longer commentator. He has now been assigned to a senior producer role, signed a new multi-year contract. So he's still around, but you won't be seeing him. So senior producer Josh Matthews, retiring Madison Rain. Now you have D'Lo and Matt Stryker to take their place. Uh, I watched this uh, tag team match. Caleb with, uh, with uh, what the hell? Tennille Dashwood against uh, the Decay, Crazy Steve and Rosemary. 
yeah, finish being uh, as he reunited them, which I mean, nice move. Yeah, both of them get double misted. Um, and Crazy Steve goes over Caleb with an avalanche tornado DDT. Um, how come no one can save Tennille Dashwood from shitty gimmicks? Who fucking knows? Like, this is even worse than the shit WWE has given her, the selfie thing and her with the other guy. It's just horrible. It's like, there's just no chemistry. It's like, I'm wondering if it's just she has no chemistry with gimmicks. She's like a Dean Malenko or a Steve Blackman. She's like a black hole of charisma, you know? Like, you just can't get anything to stick with her because, holy shit, it's like... It was like the vacuum that almost made me not want to watch the rest of the pay-per-view. You know? Awful. <laughs> and you so know what? A, a, a Decay Without Abyss feels like it's missing something, too. The whole thing did nothing yeah. for me. It made me realize, if there's anything this match did, it made me realize um, that I need to be fast-forwarding. So I did a lot more fast-forwarding because I really don't give a single shit about anything on here. Um, you could talk about whatever else you want to talk about until we get to the uh, the Omega stuff because this was all... I mean, nah. I'm right there with you. It didn't feel right without Abyss. It was weird. Like, it was cool that they, they, I mean, they tried to get the pop of all oh, the gays back together. And it's like, no, no, they're not. <laughs> no, 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 no. And then, uh, I mean, they had, of course, that old school rules match where it was Tommy Dreamer, Rhino and Cousin Jake versus Eric Young, Joe Doreen and Diener. And of course, Eric Young's team goes over because when it's old school rules and Tommy Dreamer's in the match, Tommy's team always loses. But uh, um, the three-way X-Division championship match between Manic, Chris Bay, and Rohit Raju was actually really cool. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that was weird. Uh, but um, what? 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 Oh no, I was just, I was just agreeing with you. I, I didn't really care about it, but if you say it's cool, yeah. But I mean, the one thing that was weird about it and that kind of took me out of it at one point, um, Manic's mask got pulled off, and TJP's wearing face paint. Well, Matt Striker is calling him TJP. And D'Lo's, like, giving him shit. Like, no, that's Manic. And I'm looking at him like, bitch, we clearly see that as TJP. By the way, these are the new Knockouts Every- tag titles. Um, that, yeah, um, they're, they're smaller now. So f- what 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 you call a fire and flavor wanted, right? The two. the two Yeah, Tasha Steele and Kira Hogan. The two thief girls. Yeah. <laughs> they steal people's money and shit. Yeah. Now they steal titles. Good for them. <laughs> Jacket titles and shit. They tried to get the cheap knockouts pop by having Gail came to show up, and I was like, oh, I haven't thought about you in forever. But, uh, oh. yeah. Deanna Perrazzo beat Taya Valkyrie, because why not? But now, on to the thing we actually gave a shit about. Well, I can see uh, Deanna Perrazzo beating Taya Valkyrie. I mean, sure. Yeah. It makes sense. Oh, wait. Before we go on to the things. Oh, yeah. Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan. I did not watch. Did you? Uh, yeah, I did just because I've seen every barbed wire massacre match because I was like, you know what, fuck it, I might as well see this one. Um, Eddie goes over with a Boston knee party and Emerald Frozen combination. This match, right, was... right, you mentioned that, you mentioned that. Okay. Yeah. So, and, uh... not only the fact that there was just it, it, they had a different setup, it wasn't like the usual barbed wire massacre matches where we've seen the ropes completely replaced and everything. They had like a wall of a steel cage, chains, a lot of barbed wire, laced weapons, but. Here was my problem with having this match. The thing that made Barbed Wire Massacre 1, 2, 3, and 1, 2, and 3 so special was the crowd reactions. They were awesome. This one? You can't have it, Nothing. Though. Yeah, well, that's obvious. It, didn't, it, it, it took it completely out of it for me, and I didn't feel the same that I felt with the first two. So it was just kind of like, first of all, we didn't need to have this match because that feud was long and done. And then just kind of yeah it's weird to have an underwhelming barbed wire massacre match but leave it the impact to have that 
Yeah, I hear you. So Alex Shelley is not in the next match. He actually releases a message explaining as to why and what happened. There are certain things in life that are just out of our control. And unfortunately, my ability to compete at Hard to Kill has been dropped into that bucket. So on that note, I owe an apology to Chris Saban. I owe one to Rich Swan. I owe one to the fans. And I owe a receipt to the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. I don't like getting beat up by you, but I've accepted that that's happened multiple times. And I was looking forward to returning the favor. So you'll get that in the mail. You'll keep the yellow copy. I assure everyone out there, I do not have COVID. I am not orthopedically injured. But in the interest of safety, my situation is a very complex one. I put that first, as does impact management, and they are doing the utmost in terms of precautions to make sure that nobody is at risk at hard to kill or going forward. However, as a transient figure in pro wrestling, I promise you that no matter what, I'll be back in impact. You can count on that. What is his complicated situation that he wants to make sure no one's affected by? Like what somebody who had it. No, but it's not COVID related, but it's something that you can transmit. That's what it's not. It could be HEP, you think so? Stasis has said HEP, maybe? Something, maybe. I'm not going to speculate any further, but yeah, I hope everything turns out okay for him. Yeah. Well, yeah, that pretty much left us with uh, the only reason anybody watched this pay-per-view, the main event. You had um, Rich Swan, Chris Saban, and replacing Alex Shelley Moose? Versus Kenny Omega, Doc Gallows, and Carl Anderson. And this is what I mean when I say that, like, uh, there's always disappointments. I know that it was by no by no means something that they intended on doing. But at the same time, we can't always have to worry about that kind of shit, you know? Exactly. Where, like, it's it's like the whole thing, the chemistry of this match is gone by it not being tag team versus tag team. The Young Bucks and the Motor City Machine Guns have a history going back to TNA. You know what I mean? And when you take that history away, uh, it sort of ruins things. Yeah. Now you literally have three guys who have just never teamed together versus Bullet Club alumni. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't work for me. Just doesn't do any favors. So you didn't uh, you didn't think that Moose worked? Uh, Not this Moose that Impact has concocted together. This conceited. I'm running around with the old TNA championship Moose. It just, it didn't feel right for me. It would have been weird to say, but it would have almost been a better route if they would have just gone a two on three, because then at least you have the story of like, hey, Saban's not willing to just replace his partner of God, what like a decade, and Swan wants to prove, hey, we can still be a man down and still beat Bullet Club. No more two on threes, though, man. After a um wild back and forth match. Um, Kenny Omega pins the Impact World Champion Rich Swan with a one-winged angel. Yep. What did you think of the match overall? The match was better than I expected it to be. The whole Shelly getting um, removed from the match took it out of me a little bit. But the guys worked all. like they, they, Everybody in there worked their asses off. Yeah, I definitely see that. They, yeah. the good, what I do like is that they didn't make it easy for Omega and um, the Good Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see the same thing. But like I said, my issue here was the chemistry of the match being ruined by the Motor City Machine Guns uh, not being there. Um, And honestly, I don't see what this does for impact. You know what I mean? Like, to me, I don't see, like, fuck all how impact benefits from this from this situation. Because they're not showcasing any talent. 
Yeah. Like they're literally not showcasing any talent whatsoever. And that's to me where it gets weird, you know? And it's not like if at the end of this, Rich Swan overcomes Omega or something. It's not like it's really going to do much because Impact is going to be right where they started again. Yeah. No, it's not going to do anything at all. Because your world champion prevailing is the expected thing. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it doesn't work for me, man. And uh, then the other thing is Matt Stryker. He's, he, he goes on, and I know he's trying to hype this. But again, these aren't your people, and I know you're in a collaboration. Matt Stryker calls this the moment people will tell their children about. And it's not even someone in their fucking company. Like, dude, this is the moment people will tell their children about. I'll tell my kids about the alliance before this. I honestly don't see how the fuck Impact benefits from from this with the way that they're putting over Kenny Omega. Like, why are people buying this $50 pay-per-view if this god who's going to come through the curtain, who's incredible... Who is the moment that everyone's going to talk about for decades to come? Why the fuck would anybody even bother at that point to uh to to pay for Impact pay per views? Am I wrong about that? You're spot on. Like I don't, I don't like I, the only thing I can see that's coming out of this is Kenny Omega gets another belt, and that doesn't help Impact. So it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Nope, it's crazy. Any any other thoughts on the main event on the ma- on the match itself? You know, um, hey, it's. All I'm saying, I mean, uh, I got to give Moose credit for hitting that uh, Omega with that top rope Spanish fly. That, and, yeah, uh, that was dope. And Rich Swan and Moose. See, see, Moose has always been great. It's just I don't know what they did to him. Yeah, and Rich Swan and Moose hitting the Doomsday device on Omega. I thought that was also solid. Yeah. A lot of crazy stuff in this match. It's just like, but why? All I'm saying, Swan, is uh, run that title shot, Pimpin. <laughs> Hopefully he will. And but like, yeah, and that's another thing. Like Swan, I get he's a good wrestler and everything, but all of these guys are towering over him. It's like if you just tune into Impact, you're wondering why their champion is the smallest guy out there and why the the big guy who's with him has the fake championship. Right. I've seen guys in the X Division bigger than in this current X Division bigger than Swan. Yeah, right there with you. All right, well, I want to get out of here soon. So it's time for us to cover uh that was it for freaking hard to watch, right? Yeah, that was that would, yeah, that was it. Impact Wrestling. We did it. Yeah. Great. Anyway, so let's let's move on with uh, what will be next. SmackDown, right? Correct. SmackDown. So Fox's account tweets out saying that WWE is now using the same cameras that are used for the NFL game. So now you're going to be able to see this in even higher definition. So SmackDown is really, really, really expensive now. It is quality shit, folks. Uh Heyman encourages Roman to pick a stipulation for the match with Adam Pearce that teaches him about fear and respect, and then he says that he's going to handle it. In the meantime, Jay's in the ring, and he's welcoming the bloodline instead of the Uso penitentiary. Uh, He's going to win the Royal Rumble match. They're good at making Jay a heel because he comes off as a brainwashed idiot. Congratulations at that. Uh, Nakamura's back to babyface. We talked about it last week. Is he babyface? His face music. Yeah, I don't like that. They gave him his old music. I like the new music. They literally took away the lyrics, which was really cool. You don't have to change the fucking music back, but they did. He's a fucking face again. Reboot. Yeah, I, I guess they had to. Had, had, I guess he had to change the music because the lyrics had a little bit of uh, a level of arrogance to him. I guess. I guess. Uh, he kicks. Uh, he kicks Jey Uso before the match even starts. We cut the commercial. Come back. I'm glad Cesaro was out there and didn't turn on him because I kind of figured now that Cesaro was still a heel, then maybe they would. Maybe that's still to come, but they didn't rush it. Um, Nakamura goes over with Kinshasa. Uh, Sony Deville's acknowledging Adam Pierce as an indie wrestler, saying how she saw his stuff on YouTube and she thinks he has a chance. 
Uh, Heyman convinces him to sign for the disqualification, no disqualification stipulation. Uh, I have no idea what the hell Apollo Crews is doing hanging backstage with Roman Reigns. Heyman brings that contract. Roman doesn't want it, though. He wants to be a last man standing match. And he's showing Apollo Crews how you do things. And I guess Apollo... What I kind of gathered from it was uh, because on Talking Smack the the previous week, Apollo seemed very bitter and upset about the way he lost the Intercontinental title, uh, that Intercontinental title match. So it seems like they're giving like a slow, slow burn to um, Crews possibly joining with them. Gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, Billy Kay is trying to hang out with the Riot Squad, but all they really did was ruin her character and uh, make her look stupid for no reason. You know? And I this had is hope, just, but as usual, this company disappointed me. And this is just WWE being WWE. Because uh, after the match, Billy Kay tweeted out, and she said, I've always been punk. Left pick is from 20, 2007, match in Australia. My entrance was Avril Levine. She puts up the video. When you look at it, literally, it's like her outfit is almost the same outfit she wears. So it's kind of funny because the writers are trying to make funny, like, jokes about, like, her being uh, someone who's trying to fit into punk with a fucking girl who's actually punk. <laughs> it's fucking incredible. But whatever. This is creative. That's what we call them creative, right? Anyway, so... Is that what we call them? <laughs> no, that's what they call them. Liv versus Natty. Interesting innovation with transitioning through the monkey flips. I like that nasty wheelbarrow slam onto the top from Natty on Liv. Natty using the backbreaker submission was very unique. Shows she can always have different matches without uh, using the same offense. Um, Billy Kay winds up getting into shit with Tamina at ringside. Winds up rolling into the ring to escape. Distracting Liv, which winds up getting rolled up by Natalia. So, uh, good old Natalia. And then they actually do a backstage thing with Natalia and Tamina, which I was wondering why Tamina was out there. I know that was going to be like a long-term thing, but apparently it is. They just keep pairing them with whoever the hell they can. And giving us something to do. Natalia, huge win over Liv Morgan after the Riot Squad has been on such a hot streak. Should we expect that Natalia and Tamina are contenders now for the Women's Tag Team Championships? Elise, I'm not sure if you're aware of our combined wrestling IQ and, and the bloodlines that Tamina Snuka and I come from. Elise, I'm the best of all time. And as far as somebody having my back, there is nobody that I would rather have my back than Tamina Snuka. Right, Tamina? That's right, baby G. <laughs> so, it's not easy being the best of all time, but somebody's got to do it. Let's go, Tamina. King Corbin goes off Mysterio with the end of days via Dominic costing the match thanks to Corbin antagonizing and teasing him and also eventually hitting him. And uh, Ray's trying to tell him to be patient against someone as dangerous as Corbin. Uh, Bailey has the Ding Dong Hello Show, which uh, it's her version of like a freaking 90s talk show. Uh, what do you think of this with the Bailey thing? For the type of heel Bailey's been, I like it. Made me laugh. I kind of like the level of conceited that Bailey became when she started to hit the apex of that championship run. So I guess it's keeping with that consistency. So. Yeah, and then Bianca Belair is her her uh, her guest there. She I love how she made her walk through the door. Yeah, she made her knock on the door and come through it. And it was like an APAS door in the ring. But you know what? Then she gets her back because she makes her stand while she's in the seat. <laughs> so anyway, what else happens here? Um, Basically, after going back and forth about which one was the best... They uh, lay down a challenge for this coming week. It's going to be an obstacle course challenge, though. That's right. The fucking obstacle course. Great. Because that's what I want. Uh, hopefully nobody trips. That's all I know. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, 
Roman's contract status, Adam Pierce, uh, he's there. He signs this contract, but on the way up the ramp, he fakes a knee injury. But then he says that as somebody who has a knee injury, uh, he's going to do what's in the normal protocol and find a suitable replacement. And then out comes Evan Owens. What do you so think? So basically, we just completely defeated the whole purpose for that Gauntlet match. Exactly. Like this is when I realized <laughs> how much I fucking hate them right now. They went in a complete fucking circle. Two weeks of booking to land back on the same block on the board. Like what idiots. Like I even hate the fans because literally on Twitter and everywhere else, the fans, they tricked them. People were going, oh, thank God. I thought that they were going to do something with Adam Pierce. At least they did this. They didn't think of shit. They stayed where they were. They did the exact same thing that they had done. It's where we were before this whole thing happened. What did they fucking do? They didn't fix it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of the booking logic being break something for the sake of fixing it later. So everybody goes, whew, dodge the bullet. Fuck them. Fuck them. You, you, know you know what this is like? This is like when you're playing like a dungeon crawler and you think you're going the right way. You take like 75 left turns and three rights and you just wind up right back at the fucking start. You could literally watch the last two weeks. You could literally skip the last two weeks and they're filler. Nothing happened because they put it back with Owens and then this guy. It's like it's garbage. It's garbage. Horse shit. Which brought in an overnight average of 2.153 million viewers, which is up from last week. Enjoy it while it lasts. That being said, heading into Raw, they had last week 1.891 million viewers. We'll find out next week what they had this week. This opens with an evil masked burnt Randy Orton. Who they were going for a burnt look, but he looked very lucha to me. He looked like he had a very good lucha thing going. <laughs> he, that was a very good lucha thing, Randy. Um, <laughs> Lacey Evans shows I up. I like the a, delivery of this promo, at least, though. Yeah, I can't take any of this seriously. I'm an evil, tortured soul with a lot of evil, tortured soul stuff. And burnt know? cookie dough on my nose. Like, I hate it. I hate it. I never, I, I, I want to forget everything. I want to forget everything. Uh, Lacey Evans shows up with Ric Flair on her arm. Charlotte has a match against Peyton Royce where Ric Flair shows up with Lacey wearing his robe, styling, profiling, doing the Ric Flair strut. Peyton gets a spinning heel kick, but they think so shit of her that it doesn't get her a pin. Just a commercial break. Her finisher did not get her a pin, boys and girls. Yeah, Charlotte still goes over with a figure four eight, but she's angry at this point. She doesn't release the hole. She takes it on and poor Peyton. Uh... Mustafa Ali sends a warning to Kofi Kingston, an SOS, if you will. I hear him shouting. So you let's just see. saw that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Let's see what the <laughs> hell. Is Retribution going after Xavier Woods? Yes. And the reason why we are going after Xavier Woods is because the timing is perfect. The minute I found out that Kofi Kingston is sitting at home with a broken jaw, I knew my time for retribution arrived. Kofi, you sitting at home with a broken jaw isn't enough. I want to break your heart. I want to break your spirit. And I'm going to do that by breaking one of the people that you love the most in the ring over and over again. And I pray to God Almighty that your broken jaw prevents you from competing in the Royal Rumble. I hope you broke your jaw so bad that you won't even make it to Elimination Chamber. And I hope that you miss WrestleMania for that. Because then you get to feel exactly what I felt. Sitting at home. Watching someone take what's yours. Kofi, a broken jaw is not enough. I want to break you the way you broke me. 
will get well. But not too soon. So this promo looks like Mustafa Ali did this on his spare time. And I remember hearing all over the internet people starting on, oh, why don't they let him do things like this on Raw? Why don't they let him do things like this on Raw? It looks to me like what happened was they they, they heard the internet cry and they were just like, fuck it, put it on Raw. <laughs> so that they didn't have to right. hear shit. You know, but uh, yeah, good promo since he did it himself. Yeah. Filmingly, you know. Uh, T-Bar goes over Xavier Woods. Oh, that was Mace this time. Oh, one of them. Goes over Xavier Woods. Um what else happens there i think retribution winds up jumping him yeah they get a little ass kicking at the end in order to uh to send a message to kofi who's out with a broken jaw yeah um we have alexis playground with oscar which they make oscar look like a stupid and scared idiot you know i don't know what the fuck happened the toy pony materialized at the end in the corner and it scared oscar off what's she gonna do team up with her karoshita i don't know what the hell the point of this was just Alexa scaring. It just seems more like there. It, it's I get it. It was painfully obvious. It's just getting closer to the fiend actually reappearing again. Oh, thank God, because that would work out so well the first time. Shayna goes over Mandy. Dana takes the most reckless drop kick off the apron on them. I don't know what the hell was the point after the match. Uh, and the, I guess to make the faces still look strong, get the heat back. Uh, Ricochet is. Uh, Backstage arguing with AJ Styles And he references how he thinks AJ has amnesia Like that movie 50, 51st Dates with Drew Barrymore And uh, AJ's like What is he talking about? He's like well in the movie Drew Barrymore And he's like I know the movie It's up there with my ten, with, with, with my top 10 Along with the notebook It was kind of like a little funny exchange Between the two of them <laughs> Wait, what the fuck? You know with t- chick flick movies uh, Yeah which is uh, One that actually lead into a match Between these two and basically, the whole catch was if Ricochet won, I believe Pierce was going to put him in the Rumble. And uh, the coolest ending I think I've seen, mm-hmm. because AJ, because uh, after Ricochet's going for some type of springboard, AJ catches him at the top. And instead of suplexing him, he basically hangs him over uh, the top rope. But Ricochet bounces. AJ catches him out of the bounce into the Styles Clash. Yes, very solid. That's stuff. like a, that's a finish only those two could pull off. Mm-hmm, only AJ. Uh, Miz and Morrison have Gilbert on, but Drew McIntyre ruins it before we even really get any fun from it. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even Drew. It was, it was a fake Drew. It was a midget yeah. Drew. The only good a, thing about this that came out in me is that it's good to see Gilbert doing good. It was a misguided midget asshole with dreams of ruining the world. <laughs> <laughs> you went to so much detail. <laughs> That was a that was a last dragon reference for whoever didn't get it. <laughs> and you know what, Eddie? You're nothing more than a misguided midget ass. <laughs> when she leaves Eddie Arcadia. <laughs> Holy shit. The way you said that, I thought that was something you do pissed you off like ten years ago. No, nah, that's what I thought when he came through the ramp. I just thought, you know what, Eddie? You're nothing more than a misguided midget asshole with dreams to ruin the world. Also from Hugh Gardens. And also getting by with my tits. Do you need a hug, sir? Damn. That motherfucker has a family. Roasting Eddie Arcadia. Jesus Christ. But yeah, like I said before, you just buried that man all the hell. After we talked like, um, some time ago about, Gil- about Gilbert having that heart attack, it's good to see him in good health. 
Absolutely. That was I a was actually little, like when I saw him come out, I genuinely got happy because I was like, oh, he's doing good. Okay. Yeah. There was some fucking uh her business stuff in the middle. I'm not going into too much detail. They're still doing this. They just got the team together and Shelton and, and this guy are, are arguing. Which we always knew was gonna be a no thing. Reason. Because when he first joined, it wasn't Shelton the one who looked at him and was like, If this better be real or some shit like that. Like before he even was fully in the thing. So it was just uh, I'm but just then annoyed. It just it just disappeared for like a month. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, the main event is Alexa Bliss against Asuka, with the finish being they have Alexa Bliss go over. But it's weird because, like, during the, there's a point where she transforms into the other Alexa Bliss, the gothic one. But what's weird is with no offense, she catches Asuka and transitions her into the sister Abigail, holds her there, smears her makeup, wastes her time. You know what I mean? Hits her with it and then transitions back to the regular, uh, Alexa. I, I don't think that, uh, it's worth sacrificing the strength of Asuka for this fucking storyline. Honestly, I'm not that entertained by all of these characters to care that much about that versus regular wrestling. So the only bit of psychology I was able to even pull from this is Oscar was constantly throwing pretty much all of her hard strikes at Bliss. And not only just with no body, there was no facial reaction. So it completely threw Oscar off. But then, yeah, when it gets to the end, it was like, why did she not just counter? See, I was with it until that moment. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? It was just, uh, I don't know. Leave it to them to take something that's like, okay, this can work. And now it's just like, uh, it's God shit. That it was, man. You know what it is? At this point, I have to put my own booking into my head when I'm watching it for me to enjoy it. I can see that. Because literally, that was just my logic. I guarantee that was not the intention. But I was like, oh, she's taking it a step further. Not only not reacting in body, her facial expression is not changing. Yeah. Like this bitch was taking head kicks with the same facial expression. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see where this goes. All right. I'll enjoy it in my head probably more than anybody else does. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, thank you to everyone who's hung out with us. Do not forget that uh Later on this week, probably even as it is tomorrow or the following day, we're going to be going back to our other streams in the chat room, back to Cyberpunk 2077 to get our 100% gold on, uh, as well as continuing with uh, Seb and I and Stasis Started Torchlight. We're going to be running that. Stasis and I, at some point this week, will be doing a couple game. Uh, what the hell was the name of it? The name has now escaped me. Haven, right. He said it. Haven. It's a, couple, it's a game about a couple that has gone away on another planet. And uh, we're going to do that since it's made for couples. We'll try it as a couple. Thank you. Live chat room. Kitty Cat 513. Cabigon. Carpet 14XYZ. Stasis Dreams. Willie V2. EB Gamer. Snow Day LOL. Bloodluster George Z. Bloodluster and George Z rather. And as well as anybody else that I might have missed. All of you lurkers. People without tags. Everyone across iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud. All popular podcaster apps. TalkCrunch.com. Twitch.tv. Facebook. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Talk Brunch Live, episode 432, hosted by Rick Dara, a.k.a. Captain Brunch. For myself and my co-host, Destin, Soul Glow Frazier, we're out of here. We out here. Wear your mask. Shut it down. <laughs>